in three, two, one, and we're live. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? How about new, you crazy Dutch bastard? <laughs> What we've got here is failure to communicate. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. Why so serious? I am serious. I don't call me stuff. What's up, everybody? It's Friday night, and you know what that means. It's the dads that drink. This week, we are so honored to have our guest on. He is a writer and director of my favorite trilogy of found footage films. I put him right up there ahead of the Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity. This is the man that really made him happen. So... Without further ado, Jeff, let's bring him on, Stephen Cognetti. And uh, I think that we're starting a little early, but I think it'll be good. So here we go. So, Stephen. Hey, guys. So we hear the piano, the, the famous, famous theme song. Yeah. So it's me trying to learn how to play it. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. so easy, but I, I can't. I can't do it. I have yeah. Did you play uh, that, DJ? No, I. I uh, was lying. I did. Did you get that from when the when the kid was playing it in the second Hell House? I think right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I bet. Yep. Uh, so Stephen, we're so glad you're on here with us. And uh, yeah, uh, we want to talk. And thanks for accommodating the little bit earlier hour for. Oh, uh, absolutely. For, for me. No, it works out great tonight, actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my co host has to be at a golf tournament in the morning. So I think it'll work out pretty good for everyone involved. Cool. Oh, man. So. Miss you miss golf? Yeah. I, I don't get out to play as much as I, as I used to, but uh, not any good. Not, not well, but I, I'm still used to get right. out there a lot more. I'll hit enough good shots to make me go yes, and enough bad shots to go, why am I out here <laughs> in 105 <laughs> degrees in Texas? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the uh, the golf here, I, I haven't golfed a lot since I've lived here. I've lived here for 14 years, and I, I haven't golfed a lot because it's just it's too hot in the summertime. It's, you know, we have those months where we'll do 20, 25 days of hundred degree weather. So in a row, so it, it's not worth it to me. What's like, <laughs> what's Texas like in like, you know, January? Um, it depends. 16. Yeah. 60. So like, that's like a good, it's like a good time. Right. Yeah. January, yeah. Fe- actually January, February, um, are pretty, pretty good. We might get up, a cold freeze that lasts for about a week mm-hmm. and then it doesn't get that cold yeah. again. So maybe, maybe snow once a year. Maybe. Okay. Maybe now where you're at, how often do you get snow? Yeah. Normally we get snow a lot uh, during the winter. Uh, this wasn't that bad. I'm up in Northeastern uh, Pennsylvania right now, which is near Scranton. 
Um, and it gets cold. That's what it just gets really cold. Mm -hmm. You know, so in January we're looking at sometimes it gets like you know zero, and uh, wow. you know you can't do anything. Uh, you know, except stay inside with ten blankets on you. But so the the, the, the winters are very uh, you know bleak and desolate. But you know, I love you know if for that little bit in spring and that little bit of fall you get like no humidity 65 60 65 degrees right weather, and you just get like a little taste of that at the end of each um of those seasons growing uh, at the end of uh, in the beginning of uh, summer uh, so it's it's great when that happens and uh, i hear that happens a lot <laughs> more often in other parts of the country but were you born and raised in pennsylvania yeah 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 so i've okay. been here most of my life uh uh, except for the when I was living in New York when I did uh, Hell House, um, but uh, we moved back to Pennsylvania after we had our first kid, and we realized that uh, New York is unaffordable unless you are an investment <laughs> banker or a uh, <laughs> you know uh, unless you run J.P. Morgan. Um, right. is, uh, it's it's tough. It, it, uh, budget is tight. So. <laughs> so. Well, we didn't bring you on to talk about weather. Let's get to what everyone wants to talk about, oh. the movies. Okay. I thought we were just talking about weather. So. Oh, oh, me too. I, I you know what? Never out. mind. You know what? That's my mistake. <laughs> That's my mistake. So can we go ahead and get the seven-day, uh, Jeff? Uh, so, no. <laughs> Better not go into that. So let's talk about these movies because as I said in the beginning, and I absolutely believe it, uh, I talked to my, I, I told you um, I'm, I'm here by myself this week. My wife is on uh, a trip to see some of her family with my daughters and um, they're in Washington state. And my oldest that I told you when we talked to do the sound check is a huge fan of these films. Well, I didn't tell her about it yesterday that I got you on. And she texted me and she said, you didn't tell me you got him on the show. And I said, yeah. And she goes, tell him I'm a huge fan and, <laughs> and I'm so happy that he's on. So uh, oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So when I said it in the beginning about, you know, right up there with Blair Witch, Paranormal Activity, these these are my this is my absolute favorite, because if if we look at them, Blair Witch, it changed film. The landscape of it, yeah. I think. Yeah, it did. Yeah, definitely. Blair Witch Two came out horrible. Uh, I think some people <laughs> might disagree with me, but it wasn't good. Uh, then you have Paranormal Activity. The first one's great. Second one's pretty good. And as they start going through the trilogy, they start kind of losing speed on it. It doesn't stop with Hell House. All three, uh, they they blend seamlessly together. They, you know, there's there's just so much about these films are so different from everything else. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for saying that. So do you know maybe what is the, what, what makes the difference? Uh, I can't speak to that. I, 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 I did enjoy all the, the paranormals. Um, I did not see the latest uh, Blair Witch. Didn't Blair Witch have like a recent found footage? Yes, it did. Found footage. Uh, I, I did thought so, that. yeah. Yes. And the reason I didn't see that, I, I, I was, because I think I was, I forget if I was in the middle of writing uh, two or three or, um, or I was still working on one. I, I don't even remember what year that came out though, but uh, I kind of stayed away from it because I didn't want to, um, I, I was trying to stay away from other uh, movies that were in the genre I was currently writing. I didn't want to have any outside influences or anything like that. I didn't want, um, and uh, so, I mean, for me, I just, I just do what I like the most, which is just uh, uh, subtle scares. Keep things subtle. I hate the jump scares. 
Um, it's why I'm not the biggest fan of slashers, but I mean, I think slashers are a ton of fun. I love them. But when it comes to horror movies, I'm all about very subtly creepy things that happen um, that just give you the chills and not necessarily make you jump, but just kind of make you uncomfortable. And and, and so that that's the whole idea behind Hell House um, and all the sequels and the scares. And so I just I just write the kind of scares that I, you know, that I myself like to see on the screen. So, so Stephen, how long have you been interested in this? I guess you've been these are the only three movies I know of you've done. Is that is that correct? Yeah, no, yeah. The only okay, three. and how did you get into this type of horror in general and this type of horror films or movies? Um, I was making shorts, uh, mostly comedy uh, in college and after college. And, you know, at some point, every filmmaker, especially indie um, guys like myself, you got to just say, you got to make the jump to a feature film at some point. And um, and when you do that, uh, you know, you have to make sure the idea is good. And, you know, I kind of, I've always enjoyed horror films, but I never um, made a horror film or written a horror, anything on that, uh, in that genre. So I just jumped into it and wrote the first draft of Hell House, uh, probably in the, I think it was like 2011 and it was awful. <laughs> it, was, it was, the first draft was, and I, I feel, I always feel bad for the people who had to read that first draft, but, um, gave me some great feedback, you know, saying like, you know, mm, this, this you know, needs a lot of work. And so uh, the first draft of any script is going to be terrible, though, but it went through a lot of rewrites and then me just kind of thinking through the process of like, what do I like the most and what I love the most? I love I love abandoned uh, photography. So uh, photography mm -hmm. explores abandoned places. And I love um, uh, mysteries like Datelines and, and, and those things. And like, you know, like the new unsolved mysteries that's on um, yeah, the, the yeah. on Netflix, like those two, so I combined those two things, an abandoned uh, building that has a mystery that we explore through a documentary style. And I kind of just combined what I love. And that's when the kind of script start, the, you know, the very good ideas start coming together and formulating uh, together. And uh, and it just, it just went from there. So when everything came together and, and you put it together, how did you come up with the location choices. I know that it, it, from everything they say, it's it's close to New York, like you said, and things yeah. like that. But how did you how did you settle on the locations? Um, the locations, like the real location we shot at, right? Um, so when the script was done, and I knew it was locked that what we're going to shoot, uh, the the next biggest challenge was going to be obviously finding this abandoned place that could you know, double as a haunted house, uh, a, a real, uh, you know, Halloween haunted house that has uh, people going through it. And also, you know, be really looked like it's been abandoned for decades. Uh, and I was actually looking for real abandoned places at the time. And I was traveling all over uh, the area, Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York, Connecticut, upstate New York, and just looking for abandoned buildings. And, uh, and I realized that's just like such a fool's errand. It was really, I was really just wasting my time because even if I found a perfect abandoned building, like is a is it going to be safe to shoot in? You know, be like, what's the electrical like? You know, you need electricity to shoot movies. <laughs> you know? So it's like it was like I was just inviting all kinds of trouble on what would have been my first feature. So I decided to I, I just switched the the focus to finding an actual Halloween haunted house, one that looked abandoned. Right, and then then it's it then the sets just you know they make themselves. You can you can make it look like it's a functioning Halloween on the house. You can make it look like it's abandoned. Every uh, Something that has all that there. Um, I reached out to a few places, saw a few places, and we settled on, um, when I met Angie, um, 
uh, Angie Moyer at the the uh, Waldorf Estate of Fear in uh, outside of uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. It's a town called Lee Heighton. And it's only two hours outside of the city, so it was it was able to be, you know, the cast and crew, everyone is from New York City. So uh, it was really easy to get there. Uh, it was just, it was just perfect that we found that place because it, it fit everything we needed. Right. And it's, you know, it's interesting. You said you were about electricity and all this stuff, which is exactly what they were worried about, how they get electricity in, in the first sale house. So, yeah, uh, it's one of Tony's lines. He says, right. need electricity to do what I do. And yeah. Right. So <laughs> I thought that's a, that's an interesting, it was a real thing and it was a real thing in the movie or the film. So uh, I thought yeah. that was, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but, I, mean, uh, I, I kind of feel like those, the whole story of the Hell House, what they were, what they were doing in that movie uh, in the original, when they went out there, it, it kind of mirrors exactly what we were doing on this film. Really? It is it, 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 it just, uh, you know, uh, myself, um, making my first feature there's a lot of uh, pressures on that and we were kind of going into the unknown out to this remote town it's, it's rural pennsylvania um a crew you know nobody really knew each other we're all just getting together for what would have been 10 to 12 days uh to film this movie and we you know and, and a lot did go wrong and a lot could go wrong and uh and i kind of felt like it, it we mirrored that group uh what we were who we were what we were doing i felt like i was alex trying to keep everything together and and anybody who's ever shot um a movie before knows that like every so many things will go wrong every day on set and then uh so it, it's, it's there was a perfect uh metaphor uh how we mirrored the the actual fiction that we were shooting and so how do you come across um how do you come across the actors? I know that you said that when we talked that you had stayed in New York and kind of, you, you know, you had all your auditions right then while you stayed mm -hmm. in New York and everything. So they're pretty much local actors. They're they're I mean, they're staying pretty close to the script of all the movies. They're they're from that area and things like that. So do you feel that that maybe gave your movie a little more realism? Uh, uh, maybe a they had a little better feel for the area. No, I well, no, I, nobody was from the area uh, of the main. Cast. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they're all they're, they're all actors um, um, that we auditioned in New York City. Um, there were, you know, uh, what is great is that it being a real haunted uh, Halloween haunted house, we did have a lot of um, actors that you know that work at that haunted house during in season in October, uh, played smaller roles uh, around. Uh, which is great because and they, and they all did a fantastic job because it was very natural to them, obviously. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, all the actors. Th that I mean that was the toughest thing about the film is, is finding that that group of five people that were going to um, be very uh, natural together, as if they had known each other for for so long and built the company together. When in reality, they had probably spent a night, uh, a two-hour car ride together. Wow. You know, before we started shooting. You know, so and then you know that's why they are as what they are. They're great actors, and they were able to do that and just get into that uh, into that world um, without having really much time to gel. Uh, you know, I, I I guess that's the same on a lot of films. They're like a lot of actors that uh, you know don't have that time to get together. But the, we put them in a car together, um, all five of them, and where they were seated um, in that first scene when they drive out to the Abbott on the, on the original movie, and, and we're just told them like play games together, play those car games that, you know, people mm -hmm. traveling, anything you can just to get to know each other. And when they got out, I mean, it did seem, seem like they had a great time together 
And so, right. uh, you know, and that, and that worked. And then, and of course, they were always just all hanging out together on set. Like they became a good group of friends and uh, everyone, not just the, the, those five actors, but the, the, the crew and the actors and the, um, even uh, some of the supporting roles, everyone. It was just a great set, a lot of great people. That, that's interesting because if you were to, you know, go back now and, and you know, look at that scene, knowing what I know now, what you just told me, um, it is, you would have never known they only know each other for a few hours or, or a night. So uh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. I, me not being the movie guy, I've never been on the directorship and on a set like that. So when you mentioned um, you filmed it in 12 days, is it, it only took 12 days to film it from, from, um, it took we uh, it took fourteen days, um, but we filmed for ten days out at uh, that location, out at the Avedon Hotel. Okay, um, so we shot there for ten days, and that I mean that, that that we were lucky that it's you know it's found footage. So you know a traditional narrative horror film. Okay, you know you got to shoot five, six, seven setups um, at, at the very least for every one scene. So every one scene we're shooting is one camera setup. So that saves right. a ton of time. So we can we can if a scene has like five pages to it, I just need one camera setup on that. Uh, I could probably shoot about you know eight to ten pages of script a day. Whereas you know uh, narratively, a traditional narrative film where with a lot of camera angles, you know that you could probably only do three to five a day. You know depending on the scene. So that so we were able to save a lot of money <laughs> by only being on location out there for ten days. And then, uh, and so, and then your shoot time is less. So we were only doing like twelve-hour days. We didn't have to like shoot through the night or anything like that. So, no, well, you know, and and going back to it with a with a short, you know, shooting schedule that you had, the yeah. people never knowing each other, and it goes through all three films where they talk about um, how close this group was supposed to be. That that the the. the ones were childhood friends that mm -hmm. um, they were his first hires. They were all this and, you know, all the different dynamics that go on, they really fulfilled them. And I don't know if you want to talk about the third one, how uh, everything kind of culminates and, and we possibly see those people and things like that. I don't yeah. know how much you want to give away, but if you can talk a little bit to that about how the story really kind of carries through all three. That was the goal from uh, from the get-go is that I, I was always hoping to tell a bigger story than what we saw in the original. And I never knew why I was going to be able to do that. So um, uh, there's a lot of story elements that uh, we lost in the, from the original scripts. Uh, we made it found footage. And I always said uh, jokingly to people, I'm like, oh, well, you know, when we, when we finish the trilogy, I'll tell the rest of that story. And that was always <laughs> a joke. I never really meant that. And, uh, I never thought we would be able to make it, uh, especially because it's found footage and found footage doesn't really, you know, you don't get that, those kind of uh, continuous stories. Uh, so I was really happy I was able to do that because there, there is a lot to the story uh, that was originally mapped out for everything, for the Abaddon Hotel, for the, the links to the crew Hell House. Um, there was supposed to be so much there under, it was really an onion. And, and I was only telling this, just the, this is the tiny bit of the, the tip of the iceberg part of the story, which is the Hell House story, but there's so much there to the Abaddon, to the town itself, and to the cult, um, that I was able to definitely like go into more when I knew I was going to be able to do two and three. And I was, I was just so happy I was able to continue out that story and um, tell the rest of Hell House's uh, story, that those, uh, the characters that uh, you know, we know from the original. 
go through, you know, everything, uh, tell their conclusion. And so what we did in three is we told, we concluded um, the Hell House story, um, but we have a lot more to explore oh. with the town of Abaddon and um, both backwards and forwards. And uh, so the Hell House group, they're done, but there's still more to know about how they're linked to the Abaddon to begin with. And, and that's something that like, I'm really excited to be able to dive into, you know, once we're able to make movies again. Yeah. And I thought the, uh, the last film in this trilogy really left a lot, like, tell me more about, you know, tell me more about this place. Not just, not just, so I think you did great with that because I was thinking, you know, I saw, you know, the priest was interviewed and he was a big part of the last one. And, Mm -hmm. uh, in some other, I don't want to get like said DJ said, give it too much away, but right. I thought there was a lot left uh, or a lot desired to hear more about it from the viewer's perspective. Yes. So, so yeah. So let me ask you as far as um, like haunted houses or truly haunted locations, did you go to some of these out beforehand? Are there any that stuck with you? Uh, not just locations per se, but truly haunted places. Cause the Northeast has, you know, it's very old up there. It yeah. has its fair share of historical things. Like when I was in Boston, I did the, the haunted ghost tours and things like that. Yeah. So there's some things that maybe you uh, gave me some some vision of what you wanted. Yeah, I, you know, the, the, any place that's famous for being haunted is, you know, the worst place to go. Because, <laughs> you know, um, so if you're famous for being haunted, don't. But like anything off the beaten trail that you find that's just like spooky and abandoned, I love. Okay. Going into like, you know, if you're just down some random road you've never been on, driving somewhere, lost somewhere, and and my favorite thing is to come upon a building that's just like abandoned and you don't know anything about it, it's not famous. And but it has a story. Sure. You know, and and, and so and, and then but the more fun thing to do is to make up the story. What happened to the building? Why is this building the way it is right now? Um, and that's what happened when I came upon um, an abandoned house out in Rockland County. Um, you know, years ago, uh, and uh, and it was just—it's—it's it's actually the pin tweet on my. Uh, on my I'm gonna account. I'm gonna bring it up in a picture. So go yeah. ahead and keep talking about it. Yeah, and and when I saw that house, and I I was it just clicked on me. I said, "This is where Alex Taylor comes with the group," and and this is, and you know, something something happened in this house, and I'm I'm looking at it in the in the present. But I'm imagining it's past. And okay. Something happened in this. In this, you know, something that nobody knows really what happened. But bad things happen in here. And as I'm thinking about it, and I'm staring at this house as I'm pulled over along the side of the road, and uh, people are probably wondering what the hell I'm doing. Um, I'm giving myself the, the chills as I'm thinking about like all the, <laughs> the, the secrets that are locked inside that the place. Um, and so I love coming upon abandoned places like that. That you know that I don't know anything about. Like. It's different, like places like you know, Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia is a very famous um, place for being haunted. But I've never been there. It's probably a great tour. I don't know, but um, I, I, there's no ghosts are going to be seen there. I don't think there are any ghosts to be seen anywhere. Um, but uh, I, I, I uh, the, another thought. I love the idea of ghosts, oh, there it is. but I don't believe in them. Yeah, that's the house. Ah, I love, I love finding that place. And that was the original place I I, um, 
I, I saw, and, and that was kind of like the inspiration for the Hell House crew leaving New York City to go into uh, a more of a rural upstate place and finding this abandoned house, putting on their tour there. And then the rest of the story started to come like, why did they have to leave New York? What, why did Alex take them there? Um, and then the rest of the connections uh, started to you know, come together. Uh, but uh, when I found that house, that was very inspiring. And I'm always inspired by abandoned photography. So. That did look like a creepy house. Curiosity and almost yeah, had no, a, actually, a little Amityville. Yeah. Like I reached out to the uh, someone in the neighborhood. I just randomly started knocking on doors, <laughs> and I was asking. About I bet it. they didn't I, think you were crazy at yeah, all. Yeah, and um, I no, I think there was like some guy like out like walking his dog, and I was like, "Hey, do you know who like owns that house?" And and I remember that he's. You know, I gave him my contact info. He got back to me later, and he said, "Like it's." Uh, and I was actually, for some crazy reason, thinking that maybe we could actually shoot there too. So glad <laughs> that I walked away from that idea of like, no, just use that. That's your inspiration. Doesn't mean you have to shoot there. <laughs> and uh, it, that would have been a nightmare. I'm just so glad we did not. Can you tell us a little about what could have been the nightmare, if you don't mind? Well, no, I mean, I could have been a nightmare logistically, too. I'm shocked. Logistically, before. okay. Yeah, um, so just thinking from the production standpoint, I'm so glad we moved. You might have needed a gardener, just saying. Yeah, yeah. It might <laughs> need a, no, that's the thing. It might need a lot of things that we didn't have in the budget. <laughs> like our budget so, was so Speaking low, of budget, you know, let me, can I ask you what your budget was for this film? If you don't mind me asking if that's something to be known. Uh, it, it's low. It's, it's um, very, very low. Okay. <laughs> so I'll say it's... Um, I think like the whole gag on um, uh, uh, was it uh, Blair Witch is um, did that cost like you know fifteen thousand dollars I think all all in um, ours cost more than that but um, just a little bit not not much more but, but I didn't mean bit. to be out of out of bounds there I just I wouldn't sure Gee, when he could. Oh, no, no, he's no, a guest no. he's a guest <laughs> tell me more I want to know everything. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not, it's 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 um it's it's very low budget film. Um, and you know, actually, I guess the, the, honestly, the, the the thing that costs the most on all these films is the hotels, and the hotels oh. cost so much because uh, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere and we have a, a cast and crew and we got to put everyone up, and you know, when you're in the middle of nowhere, it's that's tough, and and that that costs a lot of money. We have we have a big cast, and especially on Hell House Three. Um, you know, we had a, a huge cast because we were kind of yeah. like housing. At one point, we were housing all the cast of three, two, and one at the same oh, time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That was a spoiler. That was a spoiler, Stephen. Um, it was a, a cast within the cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, sorry about the spoiler, but, you know, it's, what, it's 2020. I think a, a lot of people are promising that. But, uh, so the most, the bulk of the budget goes into just, like, housing of the crew and actors, but, um, uh after that it's it's uh it, you know we, like you when you film in a small town you get a lot of uh help that you know that, uh, like get any emts and the fire trucks and all that stuff like that didn't cost much at all that was kind of like you know buy them a six-pack kind of deal you know and uh so and and but they're willing to do that and we can do that in a small town we can't do that in los angeles or new york so on, on our budget so or even Scranton, where I'm, where I am. So. so before we get into uh, individual characters, a favorite character of yours? 
through all throughout all the films, do you have a favorite character, or if you have to break it down by you know each one, one, two, and three, a favorite character? Um, not necessarily the actor, but a favorite character. Oh, yeah, that, that, I mean, yeah, actor. I mean, yeah, so many of the actors I love. Um, the characters. I'm, I kind of. I, I think Alex was modeled a lot after myself. I think. Um, <clears throat> um, uh, there's elements of, um, of, of Russell that I loved because I've been thinking about that character Russell for so long and I was so glad to be able to finally write him. Um, but uh, in terms of favorites, I, I don't have a favorite. Um, you know, I, I mean, I got to say like uh, probably Mitchell Cavanaugh um, from two is right. he's a great character and uh, and he has such a bigger role than really what comes out in two. Uh, so I kind of like, I, I love, I love his character because there's so much more to explore about him that we don't really, really know yet. And he's, he's such a lesser known side character in one that you don't even see his face. And then two, he plays a prominent role. Um, and then three, it's kind of like, where'd he go? And, and that's something like I, I'd love to be able to explore and something we're hoping to. So, I mean, I, that's a definitely a favorite. I, I know a lot of people, everyone loves, um, from what I hear from people who reach out to me on social media, say they love Paul. And Paul's hilarious. He's uh, a, a really good, funny character. Um, and, uh, and and Gore Abrams, the guy, the actor who plays him, is, is just a fantastic actor and just perfect for the part. Um, uh, but uh, I guess that's all, all, if I can quote Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I think the, some of the greatest lines in the entire trilogy were, uh, can I say two things? One, you're a dick. Two, why? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that, was his, that was his opening uh, that, line. That was the best. <laughs> you're a dick. And she kind of looks at him crazy. <laughs> why? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I like Alex in this. Uh, and I can see the... Uh, uh, I guess the, the attraction or the, especially the second film of Mitchell, I thought that was great. And then, and then Tully kind of got me going in the, the second one, you know, and well, especially mm -hmm. after you figure out, you know, who the heck he was a little while, you know, you just saw him. You didn't know you were seeing him. So yeah. anyway, um, I, I liked those characters a lot. Yeah. 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 And, and, and totally as a whole new, um, uh, to me, it's just, so more, uh, so much more real right now in uh, in my head because we we've been working fleshing out more of the story of the '80s recently, and um, everything that's gone on. Uh, me and uh, producer Hellas uh, producer Joe Bandelli have really been diving into everything that happened into the '80s and really setting in plot points and specific things, and and you know and how it how it all draws together to Hell House and the Abaddon Hotel. And, and so I'm just, uh, it's like, yeah, told, there's so much more there with Tully. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, and, and everyone that we're, um, we're all, you know, hoping to jump into soon. So let's talk about Tully for a minute since, since we're on the subject. One inspiration for him and his backstory. I got kind of a, a Jim Jones-ish, uh, <laughs> Kind of, I mean, well, I mean, with the story that they tell in there, not not maybe to that scale, but right. A, I but a Jim you. Jones or um, I'm trying to think of the one that was in California, um, the cult. But uh, I would say it, there, it, it, it didn't come. Um, 
this is not a direct um, inspiration, but I, I, I did uh, think about uh, David Koresh a little bit. Okay. okay. Um, and the reason for that, and the, and we didn't obviously have, have uh, any real chance to dive into this in the in, in the found footage world, though. But um, it's I kind of feel like the the the, the uh, I'd say that the nemesis of God is someone who's going to know the Bible inside out. And not okay. I'm not saying that you know David Crush was the nemesis of God. I'm just saying that um, uh, he was a man of God, though. But he knew a lot of his followers flocked to David Crush because of his knowledge of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And he knew his Bible inside out. And I also wanted Tolly to know his Bible inside out, even though he came to it from a different perspective. Um, and so I always I always kind of like thought that there's got to be that draw. And, and that and some of that draw is that Tolly not, you know, he is not a man of God, but he, he knows he knows his enemy inside out and he knows his Bible inside out. And so I, and I, and I remember just hearing an interview. Um, there's a book that came out recently of one of the branch Davidian cult members and, uh, uh, saying, saying that, uh, they were so drawn to him because they've never met anyone who knew the Bible uh, like that. And I kind of wanted totally to, to know that too, but from a, from coming from a completely different, um, spectrum of, of faith. So, uh, there was a little bit of that, um, you know, and I also, uh, that's living. And then post, um, suicide, he became something a little bit more. And every time I was thinking about him, I always, I always think of Randall Flagg in my, in my head. Um, Stephen King, the stand, Randall Flagg, um, is always someone who's, uh, the the Antichrist kind of guy. Um, someone that I always think about when I'm writing that kind of character. He kind of reminded me of, a. The, the guy in Poltergeist, the, the older gentleman that used to, he had like a priest outfit on. I can't remember his name in the movie, but um, I could see where you're going with it. And speaking of David Koresh, I, you know, I, I went to Baylor, which is in Waco and Mount oh, Carmel right. is right. So I've actually took a bike ride out there and uh, saw the branch. Well, what was left of it? You know, the bus that was buried on the ground. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And I think you hit something good here is um, not to get too biblical, but you know, um, the devil in a lot of ways presents himself as a man of or as knowledgeable and as God. Yeah. So there is a definite attraction to some people to that. And um, um, I can see why you use that um, kind of as inspiration, or at least that's something you had in your mind because yeah, I think that's a way to like lure people in and then turn them. And then absolutely look at this knowledgeable um, godly man, but yeah. He has this other side we don't know, but absolutely, I agree with you 100. Yeah. yeah, and so and that that's uh that's kind of like who who he is uh, and what he did, um and his and his origins are something that uh, um, we've been uh, you know we're just really excited to. to oh share. yeah, yeah. You have a lot of creativity, I bet, and a lot of ways you can go with that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I just should have put that together, Baylor. Yeah, I see the jersey in the background. Oh well, he was the quarterback for Baylor when he went there. So he was like big man on campus. You're a big man on campus. I was just a quarterback. <laughs> don't don't let him lie to you. He was the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So he that. he's humble. Uh, so <laughs> in, in talking about that, you know, and and speaking about Tully and everything, was there a reason that you felt that this because if you look at a lot of found footage films, 
they don't necessarily broach this subject as you did. Um, they're, they're a lot about just ghosts or, or folklore or whatever. Is there a reason that you went this route with that storyline all the way through all three movies? Um, well, how do you mean? Which, uh, which storyline in particular? So the one where, because if, if we look at it, ultimately the storyline is, good versus evil oh, devil that, versus that, that, god that, that arc, yeah. you don't see that a lot you you see demons and stuff in the found footage films or you see folklore uh, supernatural things happen but this one took a very specific storyline through all three yeah yeah and is there a reason that you chose because it's so different from everyone else well you know i, I my my background i was raised a catholic and catholics take um uh you know satan and hell very literally Mm -hmm. And so that's why for me, The Exorcist is the most terrifying film out there. Yes, I agree with that. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I think that The Exorcist is, is a documentary. <laughs> so, um, you know, where uh, my, my wife is. Uh, she made it out. She's okay. She became an actress later on. <laughs> so, um, my wife's yeah, <laughs> Just in case you were worried. Right. But I, what I didn't know until um, I met my wife, she's a Baptist and they don't, they, they think the whole idea of hell and, and the devil is silly. It's just like more of like folklore. And I'm like, no, 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 that's real. Have you seen the Exorcist? No. But um, so I like that's always been um, a fun theme for me to dive into: um, demons, the devil, hell, uh, and and I actually always think that uh, that if you can prove the existence that there are demons, there are such things as possession and stuff like that, then therefore there is God. There is, you know, uh, that proves the other side. Um, so it's just a, for me, it's always maybe like even like a reassuring kind of thing to, to know, like if, if people need demons exercise out of them, then that means there's a God too. So, um, but that's a, a side thing though, but it's just a, it's just a theme I love to read about. Um, I always loved, uh, Dante's Inferno, uh, all the themes within that and, and that kind of just all just came out naturally when I was writing it. And then at the same time, I, my favorite novel is, as I was just referencing before, um, The Stand by Stephen King, which is just so heavy in that. And uh, I kind of felt like I was I was having my own mini um, good and evil battle. Um, uh, you know, did you see it in other literature and especially some of King's novels uh, within the film itself? And for me, that was a lot of fun to dive down uh, that rabbit hole uh, with my own story. So, so was it so okay? Steven, you, I'm sorry, go ahead, DJ. No, uh, we have our first question. So, this okay. was a thing that I was telling Stephen about that all the people watching could actually put in their questions. So, here's your first question. Are you ready? Yes, I did try to match um, my T-shirt to the background of my wall. It didn't. It didn't come out. Oh, okay. This is the question. Okay. Okay. Um, so, why was the piano playing the song that song in the church as the priest was being interviewed in the third movie? Good question. Um, the piano theme was being played in the church, and that was is kind of like an Easter egg. And you know, anyone who knows the piano, it's not much of an Easter egg. That you know, that was very obvious. Um, but there are things going on in the town. It, it, what's going on in the town has left the Abaddon. It is in the town. It is everywhere. It is spread. And the hauntings are, therefore, you're not safe if you're just within the Abaddon Hotel. It's gone everywhere. And actually, the, the original script for Hell House 3 opens up with a lot of those disturbances happening around town. 
And uh, we had to cut a lot of that because we just, you know, we don't have the time or the money to shoot um, a lot of the, the early scares that that script has. But I wanted to show that that the things like that were going on elsewhere. But the, when I lose story elements like that, when I lose scares, when I lose things that I can't do either budgetary, schedule-wise, um, uh, I find other ways to incorporate them subtly into scenes that we are shooting. So one of the things I was trying to do in that scene is to show that um, it's almost as if the the ghosts of the town are trolling the documentary crew <laughs> and they don't even really know it, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's like, come to the Abaddon, come to the Abaddon. It's kind of like when they're playing that piano. Um, who's playing it um, and, and why and how? Uh, is kind of a mystery, and I like to keep it a mystery rather than just explain exactly who was doing it. But that's pretty much the the idea behind why that piano is playing um, in the church. So, so I I noticed this more as I got into it, but it seems as though, and I know in the documentary footage, I should say they go back and go, oh, look at this, uh, freeze it, and they start seeing. It's almost like I could see it in the background in the film that may not have noticed it at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go, Oh, maybe I missed that. Is, is that, is that true? There are things that maybe the viewer might've missed, but they might want to go back and look it over because of. Yeah. So there's, the a, there's a lot of those uh, in the, in all three films where these either two things happen. Either there's something in the background that it's an Easter egg. It's a scare or something that you, mm -hmm. most people might miss. Um, and, and there's a lot of times they will just leave it there. You missed it and maybe you'll go back and find it later. But then other times we will, we'll go back there for you. And we'll, like a documentary crew would, we'll rewind that footage and we'll focus in on what was in the background. And uh, I, I like that too. I, I think it kind of makes it, I, that, I think that makes it, when we do go back and we freeze frame and we zoom in on something with the music and it kind of makes it feel like, a, like, a, like an actual documentary. And, yes, and that's why I was, was going for. I wanted to seem like a real documentary, and I, as I was going through footage, because those those recalls were not in the script, but I was doing the editing, and the editing is the last draft of the script. And so when I was doing, especially like let's say the the, the strobe light scare with Paul in Hell House One, um, we Paul runs out, he throws up in the ground. Great scene because he he literally threw up people, and uh, that was awesome. But um, I would say that if I'm an editor of a documentary and I have this footage, I wouldn't just move on after I showed that. I would want to. I would show the audience more of that. The what was what was in the lights? What did we see in the background? And so sometimes we do go back, and I think that's a really cool um, uh, you know mechanism that we can use because we're a documentary. You can't do that in traditional narratives. But you do that in documentary, and when you when your film's a documentary, I think it's great to use that tool that playback tool, you know, don't do it too much, but if you like in certain scenes, it, 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 you know, it really, um, lends to the scare when you're able to do that. And then sometimes we let things play out. And if you saw in the background, you saw it, if you didn't, you missed it, maybe you'll go back there and, and find it later. So it's kind of like, uh, at the end of hell house one, when Diane is going through the, at the hotel herself at the very end, um, you, we, Alex is in the background, um, mm -hmm. you know, standing there. A lot of people didn't catch that, but uh, that's not something we, we would have ever recalled. But um, wait a minute, say that one more time. 
in the end of Hell House One, and when okay. Diane is going through the hotel with uh, right. Jonathan, their cameraman, and you know they eventually go up to 2C. Before they right. get to 2C, uh, Alex is standing in the shadows. Being, uh, you can see him for just a brief second in camera, watching them. Okay. So I think that's what's cool, Stephen, is is this is kind of a, a cult following too. It's like, you know what? I might have missed that. I'm going to go back and watch it again. I'm going to go back and watch it again. Yeah. I'm going to go back and watch it again. And and that, think, but that's my favorite kind of movies. Is the yes, where, like, absolutely. They have something like, uh, especially when you get to the end of the, of the film and you want to, and something makes it clicks to say, oh, now I should rewatch something from Act 1 or 2 because now it makes more sense. And uh, I'm not speaking generally specifically to Hellas. I'm talking to any film in general. Right. That. I just love that kind of film that when you get to the end, it makes you want to go back and and look at other elements that things that might make more sense now that did you know where the yes. film had gone. Um, that those are my favorite kind of films. We try to do that as much as we can, and you know, in Hellas. But uh, yeah, so it's fun, fun to do. And that's a cool thing too. I think is because when you go back and look and go, wait a second, maybe I want to see where this makes sense. And it's almost a maybe not a different movie but you see it through a different perspective and then you catch something else. Oh, I go see it again. And, and maybe I even understand it more now. Right. So I think that's cool how it's created either intentionally or unintentionally. And uh, it, you can just go back and watch it, you know, one after the other. So I'll definitely go back and watch probably the second one again. Uh, yeah. There's sure. a lot of uh, set up um, in one, all of them set up each other. Uh, and in different ways and, and a lot of things that uh, you know a lot of people you wouldn't pick up on the first viewing but it makes sense after you see it all they oh that he, they were talking that they were referencing that this was foreshadowing this and it's that's it's it's fun when you can do that it's fun when you can add those elements into into especially the found footage shown because it's those are tough oh to yeah put in so. so you talk about uh you know act one act two and act three every movie follows kind of that guideline or most of them do yeah. would you consider these movies kind of an act one act two and act three individually in themselves and then an act one act two and act three in the trilogy yeah and no i've always described them as um they are their own acts and uh they're one two and three acts of a, of a bigger movie um they're like you could consider them one movie, yeah. Uh, I would definitely consider it that way. And yeah, obviously they, they they each break down into the into the individual acts as well, though. But I do see this as one movie. I see Hell House Two as the middle act of a three act uh, film. So, so in talking about the movies, uh, you and I, when we were kind of doing a sound check, we were talking about um, Trouble that uh well hold on before i get to that question we have another one that popped up on the screen so oh. give me just a second cool. right. so it says are you planning on exploring the town fair tragedy that they spoke of in number three in the abaddon tapes which i cannot wait for <laughs> um I, uh, thank you amanda i know i know her um and um uh yes we are definitely um, I wrote that uh, incident specifically into Hell House 3 because um, I, I made uh, Vanessa mention it um, in Hell House 3 because that's something that happened in the town's past that I want to jump into. And uh, what happened there uh, is uh, is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, uh, what happened at the town fair in, in Abaddon before Hell House even came to Abaddon. Um, is something we want to explore in the Abaddon tapes. It's definitely a part of the Abaddon tapes as we have it sketched out now. Um, 
the Abaddon tapes has that that part and it's it's really the cool episode Joe Bendelli and I have been putting together all the story uh, stories for this six episodes of it and so we cannot wait to tell it we don't know how we're gonna do it yet but we're gonna do it <laughs> so um I, I don't want to give too much away but in the last you know the last hell house in the trilogy um when um you know they're doing doing a play uh, that's Faust and um yeah I thought that character and Faust were eerily Wynn's character and yeah. Faust, even yeah. though he wasn't he was the head of the thing and not actually acting but they seem like the same character to me yeah in that in that uh and, and purposely made it that way there's some dialogue we cut up so the film was running long and um uh we had to cut down some dialogue but there's one scene where it's like very the the metaphors that Winner are talking about are so similar to Faust's um, own struggle, um, and it's that that uh, that inner struggle about uh, about, about faith and uh, and he goes into it a little bit once it's during the rehearsal scene in, uh, in three where he's talking and he's kind of seems like lost and he goes on about uh, his own personal struggle and it's the one time where I think we're really like we're putting nailing it on the head very close. Um, to Faust and we, we cut it out though because that's that scene ran really long and I was doing a, I, a lot of the scenes in three ran long because I was just trying to write in a lot and and then when we got to the editing uh room we we decided you know we, we had to cut a lot because it, it was by the time it was like running to like 35 minutes before we got to any of our a scares and that you know for for me that's fine because I like slow burns but like for uh we, you know where I was talking with uh, our distributor and and other people that were working on the film and they're like got to get some scares in quicker. We got to cut some of the fat out of the first act. And you know, I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine. So we lost a lot of the dialogue though, but that, that is a very purposeful, specific <clears throat> uh, comparison between the two, uh, Russell and uh, Faust. It, and you really pushed my um, literary uh, lack of knowledge. So I went and looked up Faust and man, <laughs> um, it, it led me to read a bunch of cool stuff. So. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that. And DJ, don't even make Jeff the philosopher come out, but I will. Oh, uh, listen, Stephen, let me let me explain this real quick before we move on. There is a person named Jeff the philosopher that lives inside Jeff the co-host. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jeff the co-host usually eats that one. Right. You yeah. don't want Jeff the philosopher to come out, but <laughs> I'll make everybody uh, cry and think deeply and. Oh yeah. So look at this. Well, we got another comment that came in. No question. Just want to say your film kicks ass. Rock on, bro. That's it's so nice to see that. And a lot of people have reached out to me on social media saying how much they they like the Hellas um, movies. And uh, as a very low budget indie filmmaker, it's like makes my day when I read comments like that because um, so you know it's just uh, hard to do and uh, just. Uh, I put what I like in a horror movie out there, and it's just—it's always great to hear when other people appreciate that same style of horror, that subtlety. And um, so, um, uh, thank you to that that, um, that commenter. Um, so, makes my day. yeah, and you look like a—I mean, not you know—you look like a younger guy. You look like you're just getting into this, and you have a lot, lot more to <laughs> offer this industry for a long time coming. No, I'm not. I'm 39. Uh, oh, you're still a young man. Yeah. And, <laughs> you're yeah, younger no, than us so yeah it's, you it's, haven't hit 40 yet yeah haven't hit 40 yet yeah um no it's a tough industry to get into um 
so, I mean, I'm only just making uh, my own films independently, scrapping together uh, cash anywhere I can. Um, and, and so that's what I'm saying. That's why it's great uh, to see that, the, you know, people are seeing it and they're appreciating it and they're liking it. And that's so, for, for me, that's just the greatest thing that could, uh, that could happen uh, because, um, you know, it, it, it's so hard to do it. It might not ever happen. You know, people might not ever see your film, let alone uh, a lot of people seeing it and liking it. So uh, it's just great to hear when people say it. Did you go to like I guess did you go to school like a film media yeah, school? Yeah, no, I went to the film school uh, okay. in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. And um, and yeah, it's uh, you know, he, going to film school is great, and but the best thing um, to do uh, for making film is you just got to work on sets. You have to is the best thing you can do. And so the more sets you work, even if you just hire a PA. That's the kind of experience you need to know how to uh, make your own film. Uh, and you got if you're going to direct, you got to make a lot of shorts before you make your own uh, feature length because uh, you want to get those out of the out of the, any mistakes you're going to make as a director. You want to get them out of the way on short films before you're doing it when there's more money on the line and, and more you know more at stake. So uh, I did three short films before I went into my first feature, and that was uh, um, that was good to to have those under my belt. Well, so this let me is pretty good that they said uh, they need Joe Bob to play him because he's a legend in mm-hmm. in horror, yeah. and and uh, they say they need to get him to play him on the last drive-in, which coincidentally also runs on Shutter, yeah. which exclusively ran your films. Yeah, yeah, they did um, two and three. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Shutter, I had to go, I I had say- to go yesterday and get it added to my deal so I could watch them. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I can't say enough good things about Sugar. I love that you know, like we need us in the horror uh, land, uh, horror pe- people that love the genre. The greatest thing that exists is Shutter because, like, the way they curate films that I would never see any other way, any other way. Um, good indie, uh, independent horror films from around the world, and they break them down by by subgenre, so they're easy to find. Like you know, what I'm looking for, I can easily find. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so, it, and so it was great for us to have our films on there, on, on their platform as well. So that was, a, that was an honor when they approached us to say they wanted, they wanted to premiere Hell House, um, two and three exclusively on their site that we were just, I was just like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's, I, you know, I, I love your platform. So of course. So, we, you know, let's, let's take a side note for just a minute. When you, when you talk about Shutter and you say they have, uh, independent films, they they help push those and things like that. Let's talk about, and this is going to get away from the Hell House movies for just a minute, but I think it should be brought up, especially in these times. Let's talk about the two different kind of models in film. One, you have the studio system where mm-hmm. you have the big ones pumping them out. Uh, even Blumhouse has teamed up with Universal now. Monkey Paws teamed up with some other people. And then you have the independent route where you I don't want to say you own the film, but it's, it's yours. Yeah. It, 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 it's not got a lot of people, uh, putting, uh, you know, pen to paper saying, I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want this. You get to tell your vision. So the first part of the question is let's talk about the two different ones and which one is a better route to approach the film industry for maybe people that want to make films. Um, and then second to that, with this shutdown happening, films not coming out, 
do you think the independent films are going to be way stronger coming forward than a studio film? Because we can put those to the home premieres quicker. We can put them at a, a at, at $20 and people will rent them. People will buy them. Uh, so first, let's talk about the two different systems. Which is the better one to go through? So the better, um, when you're starting off uh, as a writer or, or um, filmmaker, you have no choice but to go indie. Uh, like you, and and so you uh, you have to go indie. You have to have a script. You have to raise the money. Um, it's very rare that you're going to be able to get any studio backing on your first film or anything you write. There's there's no other way to do it besides the indie level. So the 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 best way to do it is to what I always tell people is do whatever you can to keep costs low. And if you keep costs low then that is a model that can live on the VOD platforms that you don't need studios, you don't need theatrical. Um, but if you make a five, $10 million film, I don't know if that, I, I, that, I don't think the math works out for you to, to, to go straight to, you know, an iTunes release, but um, we'll see what's going on right now. So, um, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think for every filmmaker would love um, the backing of a studio because that just means more, you know, you have more money, which means you can tell your story better. And, you know, and I would have obviously loved bigger budgets for these films. Um, but the way you have to go is the indie route. Now, um, going forward, you know, in this in the environment that we're in, the studio films versus indie films, I think indie films will be able to get off the ground quicker because they're, they're, they're smaller, they're more, um, they don't have so many moving pieces to them that, that they might be able to uh, yeah, I think they'll be able to go into productions a little bit sooner uh, on, on a smaller indie film than you would on something bigger where there's more people. Because obviously in this, the more people, the more dangerous. So um, so I think, but that's only going to be the, the, the norm for a little while. Um, but I think home, I think VOD has been taking off for a while anyways, even pre-COVID. I think uh, it, there's, there's, a, there's a route for filmmakers to go to not be theatrically released movies and to, uh, you know, get your movie out there to audiences. Um, you know, like hell has to that. We, we got, you know, it, we got, people saw it and we, and that was just through an Amazon release or shutter release. Um, so I, I think that, uh, I, you know, and, and COVID might even make people say like, Hey, maybe I should be relying on uh, VOD more than theaters though, but, uh, but theaters are always going to be there and they should, uh, cause I, you know, I, I love theaters though. Um, and, but I'm just saying, I don't, you don't need it, especially in the indie level. You, you can make a good film and you can make a return on your investment, um, through the VOD model. It's, it's, it's there right now. It, it has always been there. It wasn't just, uh, for COVID. Well, you know, there's a couple things and I'm no filmmaker, but the, the things that that I would disagree with that statement, um, where you say that uh, you know you can tell a better story with the studio, you have more money and stuff. Your films and other films, independent films, have shown that you you don't need that to tell a great story. And I think that sometimes the studios get involved because if you look at a yeah. lot of films that come out these days, studio films. They're garbage. That's yeah, why they're going no, back to just redoing things. No, you're, you're right. I mean, there's two sides to that. So um, if I ever got swept up into a studio film, yes, I think the, where, what I wanted to do with Hell House would have gotten um, micromanaged and, and put through a processor and, and um, went through a thousand edits and had to go through a thousand rewrites. And, but 
Then there's the other side of the studio process, which is like when you get to a level that's you know gigantic, when you get to like a Chris Nolan level or something like that. Nobody's telling Chris Nolan how how to write and shoot the tenant, you know. Um, right. So there's 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 Nolan, and then there's <laughs> then there's like other right. people are just entering the system that have to abide by the what the studios say. Um, this is an example of the filmmaker, but there's many of those those higher up um, filmmakers that. Uh, they, they get to dictate the terms of their film though. But, but yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. For me, the only way I would be able to do it is on the indie level. When I say I would have liked to have had the uh, budget, I would have liked to have the budget, sure. But I don't, for, uh, for Hell House, it, it's not like we needed a million dollars though. I just would have liked, you know, right. maybe the budget to have three more days of filming. You know, like, it's not like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like I needed a huge CGI budget or, um, and we, right. we just, I would just, the only the thing I wanted the most on the films that I didn't have more time and, you know, in time and every day on, on a, on a, on a film set is a lot of money. And so, and we only have so much of it. So we had to cram a lot of shooting into tight, uh, a, a tight schedule. And, and that's the only thing I didn't like about, um, uh, one, one, and mostly two and three, two and three, uh, they were just more, they were bigger films and they had just and they just they were rushed because we didn't have the money to shoot them over the span of 15 to 20 days um or even 30 days like like a lot of films do uh we had to shoot them really 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 quick and i did i did not like that but that's the only reason why i would have liked more money not because i i, I would like the studios to be that was going to be my question to you was also is what kind of, i mean i guess it's silly because you kind of answered the questions uh answered uh, Dustin's questions, but um, ideally, um, you feel like you could have done a lot more with larger budgets if they didn't take your creative rights away. Yes. Um, there. Yes. There, I mean, well, as I was saying about Hell House 3 opens up with a bunch of things going on around the town. We had to cut that all out. And um, right. uh, there's a lot in, in 3, the scene uh, like... Um, uh, think about the uh, the scene with the lazy Susan as the camera spinning around in the in the bar. Um, you know, like everyone did a great job. It, it looked great though. But you know, I think if we had two days to film that instead of a half of one day, we only had a half a day to film that. Uh, I think you know we could have uh, uh, done more on that. Just made it on a grander level, and it's just and just it's time is is really what we that's the only thing i i ever need and want i just need more time and well i guess when you're making it too steve it's like you may see something and you're like wait this is would really click here and is there any way we could do that saying it a different way and this so i could definitely see from a from someone in your position how you're blessed the film's getting done and you're happy for that mm -hmm. but there's always gonna be something you was like can I try it a little different and make it right or make it better? Mm -hmm. I guess those are the challenges you face in at a lower um, budget. The cl classic, uh, like the worst thing that happened on all three films was um, was that uh, in Hell House Two, and this was such a, a stupid mistake that happened. And I, I, I made I had a lot of mistakes in two that I wish I, I could get back though. And one of the biggest ones was the planning of the shoot, the scene with um, Andrew Tully in the dining room with Mitchell. And we, and again, there's another thing, like we had, we had very little time to shoot that scene. And um, Andrew Tully uh, was supposed to become more 
uh, demonic looking throughout that scene and it's okay. supposed to, his appearance is supposed to change more and more what i didn't realize is that like because uh you know it's just a, a it was a mistake and uh, we learn from mistakes but uh it's to do that to have that makeup change like you need like many like a whole makeup department that you would have on um studio to to make that so quickly and throughout the one uh, uh, one day of shoot and so we realized that like doing his demonic makeup more and more like we just didn't have the time and the reason we didn't have the time is because we lost daylight we shot that scene the day after daylight savings time oh and we didn't even realize we lost an hour of light <laughs> and like so we needed i needed that sun that'd be pouring in through the windows there for that for that perfect look and that was fading fast and i i knew i still had two more makeup looks for totally before we even wrapped the scene and the sun is like going down and i'm like i, I can't shoot this like that he's only here today he's only scheduled to be here today and we we can't we so we got to kill the effects we got to kill the makeup effects and we got to just kind of start even picking up the, the the pace of the scene to begin with and you did you i don't you did a great job of his voice change at, at one point from a yeah. really demonic uh entity as more than 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 tully but um i can see you know but that gives you some wiggle room in the next ones or you can right. you can you can take from that and make it maybe bigger and better the next thing so yeah i mean that's, so that's, that's all i'm saying but it's just like i the only thing i ever wish i had it's it's it's, it's just more time and more time and you need more money so that's why i that's why i said that so and my second thing i would like to add is the makeup on this. So I thought they did great with, with the makeup, especially knowing what I know now. Low, but I mean, I've learned a lot about film and low budget mm -hmm. film. Just have the interview with you is um, who did the make, who did you have one or two makeup artists? And um, I thought they did a really good job with their yeah. limitations they had. Yeah, no, uh, that's, we had um, uh, Lex was our makeup artist on Hell House 1, and then Jay um, was our makeup artist on 2 and 3. So 1 and 2 only had one makeup artist, and that's why it was like very, like, you know, like their department is very rushed. And I know like Jay was always stressed because I was like always coming in and be like, how's the makeup? We got to go. We got to shoot. We're losing money. <laughs> like, and uh, so for 3, um, we got Jay an assistant, and so he had a little bit of help. Uh, but still, you know, he was very overworked and very stressed and, um, and because it's, it's makeup takes time and you want to make it look right. And, and that's something you always got to schedule in. And then when you only have, you know, a half a day to shoot scene X and, you know, so it's a, it's a thing. It's just scheduling is, is just the, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> I wish I could have more of it. You know, I wish more days. That's all I want. More days. So we have another one that came in. Uh, it said, you've spoken of Easter eggs in the movies. Do your gracious hosts know that you were in the first one as the YouTube video recorder and that Joe Bandelli was a <laughs> photographer in all three? That is true. Um, I was, so the funny thing about the Hell House 1 with, with that chaos scene is everyone running through um, the, the hotel. Uh, I realized the most dangerous spot uh was going to be the person holding the camera running around not being able to <laughs> so i i knew like i want to do that because if i get injured i'm not going to sue myself so uh i took the camera and i just had um they put foam on either one of my shoulders and so that was just like i had these like i was like you know a football player i had like um i was looking shoulder, pad, shoulder yeah. pads on and i was just running around in the crowds like falling onto the ground with the camera and doing it all and um 
And Joe Vandelli, the producer of uh, of all three films, he is in all three films and dies in all three films, <laughs> and nobody knows it's him in each one because he because we we change it up slightly. We only show a little bit of him in each one more and more. Um, and then that, that was great that we were able to uh, to do that because uh, you know he's uh, he's a good producer, he's a good filmmaker in his own right, but he's a good producer and he's a good actor too. So it's, it's great. So y'all are doing a little bit of the M Night, is it Shyamalan, like dear little cameo? I, I only did it. I didn't do it for uh, Hitchcock, Hitchcock made that famous. I didn't. I didn't do oh it really? For, I didn't do it because you know for it to be Hitchcocking, and I did it because um, to avoid a lawsuit. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hitchcock. Uh, Hitchcock was in every single one of his films. I think. Yeah. Yeah, he just so the, small, I mean, quick, background. you can't see it. I mean, if you're not paying attention, you don't see it. But Hitchcock right. made that famous. Yeah. And by the way, Stephen, you were fabulous as a YouTube <laughs> shooter in that. Like, you should really consider going on the other side. <laughs> I might. On I the might, other side yeah. of the camera. Yeah, yeah. You should really <laughs> think about that. Thank you. That was very nice of you to say. So Brendan says, uh, you want the budgets, but not the restrictions of the studios. <laughs> yes. yes. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but, I, I get it. But, um, you know, I would, I would even say to you, you know, you brought up Christopher Nolan. Yeah. And you say the studios don't tell him how to shoot Tenant, They don't tell him how to shoot The Dark Knight and stuff. But I would also say that every single one of his films, if you were to go into it cold, not know who shot it, not know who the director was, you could tell that it was definitely his film. Right. Because they all look exactly alike. They have different storylines, but they all look exactly the same. And that goes back to my thing about the studio where I think that they might let him shoot however he wants, but he better fit a certain mold to get that movie I think it's more he's an auteur um, for sure. I think he has a look uh, and he's earned that over the years, but uh, there might be something to that. Um, I, uh, I don't actually necessarily that, that um, I want the budget, but not the restrictions of the studio. I don't really want the budget of the studio, like uh, maybe 5,000 more dollars. That's all I want. I don't, I don't need wow, that is, a million more dollars. That I is shockingly need, low. I know. I just say, like, I, I we we work well. We work quick, but we just, we always need more time. Um, so the, the the idea, well, I mean, also the thing in working indie and, um, is that uh, you're wearing so many hats. So there's only so many parts of the production um i'm worrying about uh it's not i'm not just directing and uh, because it's it's um uh, you know everything is it's my company that's making the film and everything like that so there's a lot of things i'm i'm dealing with uh, legal issues insurance and union and stuff like that um so it's all going through me so it's like my mind is a million different ways when i wish it was just focused in one area so it's 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 complicated but um, it, you know, if you were doing a, you know, even, I don't even think just a studio, just a bigger indie film, like, a, um, like you see, um, maybe like a, uh, uh, thinking of just, uh, blank out, but there's a lot, there's a lot of great, like, uh, anywhere from like, you could even five. do like an evil dead when, when Sam Raimi, I mean, it, it, he, he produced it, but it was a independent director that did it. Yeah. But you know, I, yeah, I, I get that. I'm just, I'm just saying that uh, um, it's more of this. The I guess the the more of budget you have, the more um, infrastructure you have in, okay. within the film, and then therefore the more you can focus on your. You, you know, I can just focus on the directing and um, 
someone could just focus on doing the, you know, the wardrobe, makeup, and, and, you know, our makeup artist doesn't have to also be the, the third, you know, grip, big, you know, it's, it's same, you know, things like that happen on a, on a, on an, a very low budget indie film that don't happen on other indie films that have a bigger budget though. But, um, so how do you go about raising money for, for a film? I mean, I guess that's a producer and, and some other things, but how do you go about raising money and, you know, for something like you, I could imagine people would love to invest and give money to your, to your films. Um, no, it's not, um, I, there's not what, and I've given this advice to other filmmakers that are just trying to make their first feature. And I say like, it's so much easier to go to a lot of people and ask for a little money than it is yes. to go to a few people and ask for a lot of money. I can definitely think that's a great strategy. So that's that. And that was my strategy. So it's never, you know, I'm not going to go to someone and be like, Hey, you give me $25,000. It's like, can you, you know, can you give me 2,500? And that's like the most I've really ever asked. And, um, or a thousand or 500 even. And, um, you spread that out. And then by the, you know, at some point you have enough to, um, put a film together, but, you know, but you got to keep that, sh that shoot um, very tight, very quick and short. And, you know, that, that's, that's, yeah, it's, that's, that's the challenge. It's, it's a puzzle. Now I think indie filmmaking is like a puzzle. You're trying to put it together and how am I going to do X, Y, and Z when I only have A, B, and C. Do you think this low budget or, or this type of movies is preparing you for, for, I mean, obviously not just a starting point, but it can prepare you to wear all those hats to have the creativeness to succeed in the limitations. And then as you build, um, you're able to focus. And I think that will serve you well in the future, if that makes sense. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm gonna be doing in the future. I mean, I'll, well, actually, no, I know my future is exactly what I've been doing is just scrapping together any kind of cash I can to make indie films. Um, uh, and when I say indie films, I think that this, it, it, it's very, uh, we don't make like, um, there's indie films out there that are very uh, amazing, well, like well-received theatrical uh, films, um, you know, that, uh, but uh, I, what I'm making, what I, we're not making anything that has any kind of substantial budget at all. And, but we're trying to make good movies on the budget we do have. And that's all we're trying to do. And you get a good, good enough group of people together, you know, good crew, good actors, it really doesn't matter um, um, the budget you have the and but I would just say that like yeah I wish I just had a couple more days <laughs> you know <laughs> just wish I had a couple more days even though but uh, but I agree as you were saying it's like um, if if you have the right group of people around you and the story's good uh, yeah you can uh, you don't you don't need that studio budget though and I'm not personally ever asking for a studio budget I'm just uh, I just always just want a couple more days. That's it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we have uh, Stephen Cognetti, future Academy Award winner, calling it now. Yeah. And, and no, uh, thank you. It's very nice of you to say. <laughs> so not gonna happen. The, no. the big thing that's been on my mind the whole interview is I want to talk about specific. I asked you in the beginning um, of, you know, let me see how to say this. Um, I ask you in the beginning when when we're talking about all this kind of stuff, your favorite characters, uh, not necessarily actors, things like that. Mm -hmm. In specific, I think there are three characters in these films that are 
very center stage of the films, but they don't have a lot of speaking lines. And I think, you know who I'm talking about the clowns, Mm -hmm. Um, but they have so much that comes out in these films. Those were, I don't want to say they were my favorite characters, but they were definitely when they showed up, I was like, Oh great. They're back They're They're in this scene. They're in that scene. Um, first let's talk about the, the idea behind them because it kind of seems a little off from what the, the backline story is of the, of it. It's, it's part of the haunt, but how they carried through and, you know, they, I think they were awesome, especially uh, your main clown. Right. So um, think about uh, an abandoned place where something bad happened and the police sealed it off. The bad things that happened are sealed off inside of there. They're always there. So I think that was one of the more fun elements I, I, I liked about going into Hell House too, is that we're seeing um, the we're, we're going into a place that's been abandoned since um, since we saw it when uh, Diane went in there and what's changed. But nothing was ever taken out of there after the, tri- the <clears throat> after the Hell House tragedy in 2009. It's all still there. Everything is in there. So there's no... It, and so that's the most... <clears throat> I think that's the most fun thing is exploring that abandoned place like they did in Hell House 2 where it's all still there and mm-hmm. there's just uh, you know lingering things around every corner. That for the the clown still be there. Now the clown's not necessarily Hell House. The clown has really nothing to do with Hell House. That's the clown um, where that clown came from and won. We don't know. I mean, or at least we're not saying just yet. Um, but I have it, a feeling it has something to do with the fair. <laughs> um, but uh, so <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it's a theme. It's it's a theme that. Uh, I mean, I love that clown. The clown was the first scare that I wrote in the in the original script that I wrote. The one that I didn't like. Um, that's the one thing that stayed was the uh, the one the first scare that I wrote was the, and it was in, it was written a little differently, but it lasted throughout every draft of the script. Is is the scare where they wake up in the middle of the night and they come out top of the steps, they look down, and the clown standing, the clown yeah. standing at the bottom. So that is the first scare I wrote for Hell House, and it's and is the um, for the original script, and it lasted throughout every draft and barely changed at all. And, um, and I love the idea of, of that. Uh, cause it's so subtle. The clown itself is subtle. The scare is subtle. Everything about it is subtle. Every element is subtle. Um, and so, and, and so the clown is something that, uh, you know, was always going to be there throughout uh, because it never left. It's, it's in there. It's, it's there. It's in that abandoned building. Why would it ever be taken out? And so if you ever wander into the abandoned Abaddon hotel, you're going to come into all of the things that Hell House left there. Right. And, and on that, since we're talking about a couple of the scares, I think the best scare to me in the first Hell House was when he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's kind of correcting his camera and he sees the girl sitting on the wall behind. (laughs) Like, you know, he does that five-year-old thing where he hides under the covers that it's going to go away. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm understanding it right. That is supposed to be the girl that checked into the hotel with her mother and then checked out. And okay. Okay. So um, I I think that was my favorite scare of the whole movie. Yeah. That one turned out really, really good. I'm so happy with how that scare turned out. Um, That was definitely one of our top a scares. When I wrote that, I was 
excited to shoot because I'm like, if this, you know, if we do this right, it should, it should be a good scare that resonates. And, and, and it has with a lot of people. I'm happy. Like a lot of people have reached out and said they like that scare a lot too. So that, that was like, whew, that worked because I was really hoping that scare would work. Um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. And that's actually, that's a, that's the uh, daughter of, um, of the owner of the, of the hotel. The, the, oh, really? The haunt itself. So her name is Bailey. And, uh, and uh, her mom, um, Angie, is the one who runs the, the, the haunt. And, and she was our set decorator for the, uh, for the film. So, yeah, and I think Speaking you know, of the, the clown right there, we, okay. we have the clown in the picture. When will filming of the Abaddon tapes, when will it start? Um, did they find a vaccine yet? That's one of, that's going to no. <laughs> no. Well, uh, there was a scientist in Italy today that said that uh, it is um, killing itself and we don't even need to worry about a vaccine. That's great. I mean, I always love jump. Like I go dive down the rabbit hole Twitter every day looking for that, like really optimistic, hopeful news that like, you know, I wake up every <laughs> That's morning, pretty optimistic. Morning, hey, like, just wait like, around. It'll kill itself. I've been like every morning since March is wake up, go on the Twitter. I'm like, any, any, anything, any vaccines yet, any cures. I'm like, ah, no, not yet. So, but, um, I think we'd always been intending to shoot, um, the Avanon tapes in 2021 anyways. We had no intention of shooting that in 2020, um, so that really hasn't affected that. Uh, so I think for our projected date of shooting, which um, which we don't even know yet, because we we still haven't worked out it, and we don't even really know how we're going to shoot it. We don't even really have any backing yet. But mm -hmm. if we if we get all that in place, um, we're gonna we're gonna aim for the uh, uh, for the spring summer of 2021. What I was going to go back to you talk about scare. I love the way you say scares, and and I think it's so interesting to to hear your point of view on it and, and how they go where and when. But I thought one of the great things with the clown is you expected them to move and do something, and then they weren't, and you're like, uh oh, yeah, they do. So it was almost like a scare within a scare that wasn't a scare. So it's a play on words, but uh, yeah. I liked how that fed off each other. Like I was expecting stuff to move around and I was like, Oh, okay, right. maybe that's not, but Oh yes, it does. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We did that a couple of times in three, I think as well. That, that, that mm -hmm. I love this comment. You'll be waiting a while for a vaccine. Yes, I think we will. Um, so, uh, that's, uh, that's the pessimistic viewpoint, but, uh, who knows? I think, you know, either way, I think, I think, uh, it, it will be a, a better, um, place will be a better place in 2021. So I think we'll, I'm confident that whatever we're doing and, uh, whatever we plan on shooting, if it's the Avenon tapes is what I hope to shoot in 2021. Um, I think we'll be able to do it, uh, as planned, like time-wise when we want to. So any, uh, any kind of Kickstarter or anything like that to gain investors or anything like that, that you're trying to do, or are you going, uh, strictly your route again? Um, we haven't gotten there yet. I don't know really what we're going to do. Uh, but the great thing about Avanon tapes is that it's not uh, just me um, this time. Uh, I'm uh, Joe Bandelli, the producer. Is, he's he's co-creating it with me, so he's been he's been working uh, with me on all of this. And um, and our uh, our distributor Terra Films is uh, has been helping out a lot too. So like we have a we have a good base um, a structure in place to create the the story that we want to create in the Avedon tapes. Um, so I, I, I'm as happy like on Hellas one, two, three, it's, it's, it was all just me and it was very stressful. And now we have a lot more, um, people involved. So it's, um, 
uh, I'm just confident that we'll we'll find some way to get it done. Um, I don't I don't really know what that what that is yet. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'll find a box of cartel money um, <laughs> somewhere. And no country for old men. Just walk around <laughs> yeah, the desert, and you'll run across that it. That might happen. I haven't really ruled that out as a possibility. Um, and so we'll see. <laughs> the cartel so let's go over a couple. It, I'm in trouble, but. Let's go over a couple um, of your favorite found footage film. Yeah. What Which is it? Is it? Uh, I would say Lake Mungo. I have never heard of that one. Oh, well, that's the thing. I mean, like Lake Mungo is a huge inspiration for me for when I was uh, devising Hell House. So if you enjoyed Hell House, definitely check out Lake Mungo. Um, Lake Mungo? It's, yeah, it's, it's shot as a real, it's shot as a documentary like Hell House. And that was Lake Mungo was the first time I realized like, oh, you can make a documentary, like a finished edited. It's not like, so found footage had always been like, just like raw footage just presented to us. And we don't really know how we're seeing it. Um, where Lake Mungo had a cut together documentary um, and, and she showed it and it, it was so real. And, and that's when I knew like, a, 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 I knew that the, the scares that I, I had planned out for Hell House could work in the documentary form because Lake Mungo had done that documentary so successfully. And it was such a good film. Um, so I would definitely recommend that to. Uh, uh, yeah, to I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. Uh, we, all, we know your favorite horror film is The Exorcist. Yes. yes. Favorite comedy? Uh, yeah, Airplane, uh, hands down. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. That's a nice pull. Uh, favorite drama? Uh, probably say it's one of my favorite films of all time is. Uh, as I, I'm embarrassed to say it though, but I well, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold that one because I know what their answer is. Oh, so let's, yeah, let's uh, hold off on that one because that. Um, listen, guys, if you haven't been paying attention, you need to pay attention to that answer. So we'll hold off on that one because it's a bombshell. It's yeah, it's embarrassing, but um, uh, I would probably say the the Godfather um, one and two. Okay. I have no, I don't know which one. If someone says that Godfather one or two. What do you, what, which one do you like more? Two. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I love two. I but I love one. I love two. Right there. off the bat, I don't even have to think about it. Two. Yeah, but they're just such great movies. So uh, Jeff, one, two, or three. I'm gonna say uh, two. Yeah. Yeah. Three. It was shitty except for uh, Pagliacci. But that, I think that one was made the only. It was so it's almost like two. Yeah. It's it's. I would say two though. If you made me two. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's do your all-time favorite movie. Now, guys, I'm telling you, strap in on this one because um, it, it's a good one. I, I agree with him. I won't say it's my favorite, but it's a good one. So I have, I have my reasons, all right? So, I, and uh, now I'm going to let you explain I it. I would have never said this back in film school because uh, I would have been uh, laughed out of the room uh, You know, back in day one, uh, freshman year of film school, though. But uh, I love the movie Titanic, James Cameron's Titanic. And I can't get enough of it. And it's got everything I love in it. And, and it's the ultimate abandoned building movie. Like, because we opened the film exploring abandoned rubble at the bottom of the ocean. And it, this abandoned structure that's down there that it tells, you know, holds a secret, tells a story. And, and that's kind of what I love. It's the same thing. I love abandoned photography. What better than that ship that's at the bottom of the ocean is such the best abandoned photography out there. There's nothing I, wrong with that answer. What's that was that? a great movie. 
It was great. Really, um, James Cameron gets a bad rap. I love James Cameron, um, but he gets a bad rap. And I think Avatar plays a lot into that, though. But he's made so many great hits throughout the 80s and 90s. Uh, I, I love, and you know, he's a really, he's a good writer and director though, but, uh, uh, I, and I also, I love, uh, historical fiction too, uh, you know, and, uh, if you guys remember, um, the terror on AMC. Mm-hmm. About the, uh, ship that's stuck in the yeah. ice. Yeah. yeah. So that is uh, historical fiction. That's like real sh- uh, ships that have disappeared. They, you know, the uh, Crozier, the, the captain, everything, those are all real people. Um, Nobody knows what happened to them, and this is like a fictitious account of what might have happened to them. It's a great book. Um, uh, Dan, uh, I have the book over there. Uh, I want to—I forget his name though—but uh, great, fantastic uh, novel of like what might have happened to these people up trapped in the Arctic when their ship got uh, iced in, and AMC made it into a series, fantastic series. But like any kind of historical fiction, taking a historical event and adding a little fiction to it and, and th- throwing a narrative into it, I love. Um, and I've always been obsessed with uh, uh, the Titanic since a little kid when I found it in '86. So every like everything came together in that movie for me. It's just like it's just I love it. So, and then I was saying that they built sets. They built these great, oh like, yeah, awesome sets. And I guess at the time that was the the highest the movie that cost yeah. the most to make ever, right? Yeah, they built the sets and they sunk them. You know, and and it was great. Uh, they uh, they. Um, it mixed together wreck uh, uh, footage at the bottom and, and with uh, footage that they they created set wise to re, you know recreate the wreck at the at the, at the bottom of the Atlantic. Um, they just did so much of like old school great filmmaking there uh, to tell an amazing story, um, historical fiction story that uh, I, I love that. And I just love that they built that giant ship and they, and they sunk it. <laughs> it's, it's that's so crazy. Cool. That's called fu film money right there. That, that's yeah yeah <laughs> yeah if we had that kind of money on set and we wouldn't need it so i guess everyone's just being lobster rolls every day so yeah yeah lobster rolls that uh that sounds like a nice thing to eat every they, day that would eat in, that would eat into your budget pretty quickly if that was your, if that was on a, a set meal <laughs> yeah. so let, let's talk a little bit about um actually right because you not only directed but you wrote these three films let's talk to what we like to talk on our show is people that are maybe scared to take that leap or scared to do that thing what got you going in that direction of course you went to film school but what got you going in that direction to write Uh, where where people can you know like a piece of advice that people can go okay i can do that now yeah yeah so that's the thing i'm I'm, I'm a terrible writer i um grammatically i'm awful and so uh, especially joe bandelli is the person who has to read the first draft of everything i write and he's like dude like like it's going to take me an hour just to get through the grammar correction <laughs> so like like so I, I but um what i did is i knew being a filmmaker that i was never i wanted to direct films but i was never going to have people giving me their script so i knew if i was going to make a film i was going to have to write something myself that's the only way it was going to get made is if i wrote it myself um, and then from there, so really all it takes is just finding things that you love, um, and making a story out of it. So as I was saying, I just, I pieced together elements that I love. I love subtlety. I love horror that's subtle. I love abandoned buildings. I love, um, mysteries that we have to solve. So I love those, those Dateline mysteries. And I kind of, I combined them all into one thing. I just took elements of things that I love to see myself, um, whether it be from TV or film, 
and piece them together into a story. And it's not going to be a quick process. You're not going to write a script overnight that you like. You're gonna not you're not gonna write a script in weeks or months that you like. When you get, it's gonna take you um, a, at least a year. Maybe for me, it was probably two years to get to the place where I was like, all right, Hell House is ready to shoot. This is this is our locked script. Wow. Um, and so, and that's the thing. And that, that's the fun thing about writing is that uh, you just keep on rewriting and rewriting and making it better. Um, I like to think a lot and just uh, keep on, you know, just thinking of story elements and just not writing for days and just in my head playing these story elements until something clicks, till a light bulb goes off. Till like the, one of the better light bulbs that went off in Hell House 1 was where I didn't really know how to open the first, the first act. And and I was thinking like we needed something to pop in that first act, something we need to, where we need to start. And, and it hit me and just, I just stopped writing Hell House for a couple of weeks and I've just been taking the subway back and forth to work and I just spend that subway ride thinking and thinking and thinking and then boom, it hit me. There's a YouTube video of the tour and that's, the, that's what we're gonna start with. And someone on that tour had the camera rolling the whole time, they never cut it and they saw everything and that was you and so that that was the light bulb that clicked in one that like took that, that really um and then that, that once i thought of that idea that's where the rest of the script came out and i was like and, and but you're always gonna i'm just saying just like thinking is a is a good process to like stop writing if you have a block and just keep on thinking and thinking and then light bulbs will go off and um and every script has their own light bulbs and it just takes time to get there so you just need time um to write a script and you, you know if you if you're creative and you think you have a good story and uh but you don't think all the elements are there just it, it will it, it will come if you give it time so and if, you, if you're just take time with writing a script and it'll eventually all get there so you said that you were taking the subway back and forth working what were yeah. you actually doing at the time you were writing the script for hell house I was working as a production assistant for ITV Studios in New York. Uh, it was a great job at the time. Uh, I had a great boss who, when I told her I was going to go shoot Hell House, she said, great, go. I, she, I know this is not your career, what you want to do. What you want to do is working as a production assistant at, at ITV Studios. So go make your film. And I said, thank you. And she gave me uh, a week and a half off uh, to go make the film. And uh so I was getting I was getting up at five a.m. every morning to write about two hours, um, and then I would get on the subway around seven thirty, and then I would just spend about 25, 30 minutes on the subway just thinking about everything I'd just written, and then just driving on the way back on the subway and just thinking and thinking, and, um, and so that's those subway rides I credit a lot to just giving me time to think and then and really come up with like a lot of ideas, and then those the layers they came underneath the the the, the a plot and then put mis, you know mystery layers underneath that and to, to fill in the whole backstory of the abaddon and everything like that just uh, take it took time to fill out in my own head and i credit i credit the the, the commute so that must have been an exciting time and a stressful time because there's things i second guess my second guesses on my second guesses uh, as far as figuring things out you, you're second guessing yourself but i guess that's no reckon part is I have this, how do I condense it into what it needs to be for camera and still get the scare factor or the storyline? Uh, like you said, you always need to more time. So I can imagine that's quite a challenge when you're into it in the thick, you know? Yeah, no, it is, it, it, it is. Um, but uh, I mean, when we're, 
when you're writing in like very low budget indie like like I write, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that know this. Um, it's you got to write to what you know you can shoot, and and so like whenever I was writing anything, I was it was always in the back of my head, can I shoot this? And okay, um, and if I couldn't, then I wouldn't waste time on it. I would I would change it somehow to make it to something that's more adaptable to to what we were looking to, like what our budget was. Um, I can't think of anything specific offhand of like anything that changed to adapt to our budget though. But, uh, I mean, I think all the scares were all the same. They, they never changed, but, um, uh, certain, 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 uh, smaller story, story elements, I would say, but, uh, but I was always writing knowing, you know, we, you know, we, we have X amount of dollars and we have X amount of days to shoot and you gotta, you gotta know that when you're writing. So we have another one that popped up. Uh, when can we expect another Instagram vignette? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, uh, so Amanda, she follows me on Instagram. And, um, uh, so I, when, when, when COVID first went down, it, my state went into a lockdown. Um, I started making these small little Instagram stories that were haunted. And, uh, there were, there were, there were a lot of fun for me and my wife to do. We put the kids to bed and, and then we just, uh, uh, shoot a little like mini scare thing that I put on my Instagram, but um, I, I think I'm done with that now because I, I think uh, I'm now just planning and writing, you know, more movies to do of uh, actual movies though. But but back in uh, March and April, everything looked very bleak, so I thought the only thing I'd be able to shoot was something on my Instagram story. So, but uh, now we're uh, we're planning. Uh, uh, other shoots so you know I, i've been working on a25 forest road is a, is a film that I, I cannot wait to shoot and i was supposed to shoot it uh in may but uh obviously we're not shooting that anytime this year so um but i'm still now that i've got the time and i is like if you have all this if you push a shoot uh to another year then that script better be effing perfect because you know you had all the time in the world to make it perfect so like i'm just like going through every scare a thousand times and making sure everything is. And, and this is another one of those stories that has like a lot of um, uh, mystery to it and a lot of crossing uh, narratives. And uh, so I'm just I'm trying to make sure everything's perfect. So I'm spending a lot of my time working on that whenever I can um, because the kids are home now too. So I'm mostly uh, just a full-time dad now. So question to you two guys, uh, especially you, Dustin, which part of the house would you not want to have to spend the night in or or go to the basement. The basement's I'm not going down there, man. If you're D Jeff, come help me. You know what? I, you know what? I'll I'll even take it as far as the bar right next to the basement stairs. I'm not staying in there either. Because <laughs> some bad shit happened there too. What about two C? You go up to two C. <laughs> well, the basement has um and I remember all the all the actors and crew hated being in there because they had a lot of spiders. So uh, everyone was always complaining about that. Like, I, I see spiders down there and I'm like, all right. And I always tried to limit the amount of time anyone ever had to spend down there because everyone hated the basement and for, for good reason. Um, so it's a tough place to shoot though, but it is also creepy on many levels. But um, so I would say, yeah, the basement. What, what about you, Jeff? The, the basement. Yeah. I said, if you were down there saying, Jeff, I need you. Come get me. I'm like, Hey bro, I love you. See you later. <laughs> you do that to me, man. I would go down there and we'd just die together, man. I, no, I, don't, I, I think you're full of shit. I don't think that would happen at all. 
The, well, you know uh, what? I didn't see in this. There's no weapons to defend themselves. So no, no. Well, what? Do you, okay, but I mean, let's get into it. What, what weapons are going to work? Uh, it's a, a fucking clown that was sitting on the ground, not moving five minutes before that. What well, weapon is what really work? are you going to do to kill that? Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think there is any any weapon. No, I don't think there is. The weapon is uh, the devil, and there's kind of <laughs> no over. Coming some of that. So you talked about the movie that you're uh, that you were supposed to start filming. Yeah. Um, can you tell us anything about it? Because now I'm super excited. I didn't know there was supposed to be another movie coming out. Um, so it's my first departure from Hell House in a while, and I was hoping to do this um, in between. You know, do this film and then do the Abaddon tapes, and you know, and again, you know, uh, try to raise the the money um, for each uh, any way we can. We were looking good to we were looking good on everything like budget wise and we've already hired a lot of recruiting actors for um a254's road uh by the time you know uh, April, uh february january february rolled around and then um and then march happened and we realized yeah we're not we're not gonna be able to film but it's it's a it's just a it's just a really fun haunted house uh story based in the town that has like a lot of mystery and it's just um uh, it's uh, really not much I could say about it without giving anything away, though. But it's it's got a lot of great scares, a cool story, cool backstory, and um, and 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 uh, it's pretty much all I can say. And I just just can't wait to shoot it and um, get it out there. But we'll probably, you know, I don't, I can't say when when I'm going to do that now uh, again. But we'll but it's very cool to know you have something else coming out. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Oh, yeah. Well, well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, we 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 have the script and I'm mostly casted, and uh, you know, we're we're ready to go. I know where we're shooting it, how we're shooting it. I just don't know when we're shooting it. <laughs> so this, yeah, this COVID thing, I, especially for you, do is it's got to be. Uh, there's no films being made anywhere, correct? Yeah, they were supposed to start um, this summer. I don't really know of any stories of any productions that have started up though. But you know, all the unions have released their. Um, their guidelines for film sets and how they're supposed to go in COVID times. Uh, but I don't really know of anybody who's actually um, started shooting yet. Uh, I think technically, depending on where you are, you're allowed to start shooting. Um, but, you know, for us, it would be too much of a, of an right. endeavor to, uh, to try to. It's a risk. It's, it's, it's a yeah, lot too, of too risky. Uh, I wouldn't want to put anyone in. in too I'm sure there would probably be a lot of insurance on that too, that you yeah, would have to put on that, there. Um, you know, and this, I just don't want to, I'm not going to, no, it's just too risky. And it's hard unless you're uh, making a movie about horror surgeon or something, you can't mask everybody up, you know? Right. Right. No, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's the, I think even whenever we do shoot in 2021, I think there's going to be some level of mask wearing and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. but um, uh, yeah, no, it's just, no. And then that's fine. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to ask any actors to put themselves at risk of being in a film. Um, so I'm fine with waiting uh, as long as we have to. So, so Jeff, I told him when we sound checked, I told him about the old Nazareth Hospital or the Baker Hotel that that would be an awesome place to shoot a movie. Oh yeah, it would. Um, I think both would be great, but just the just the uh, sounds like it, yeah. you guys see um, what's the found footage movie that takes place at the uh, like the old hospital? Um, Grave Encounters. Grave Encounters, love that film. Um, that, that was a good one. And that was like at, a, at an unused 
it might be an abandoned uh, real hospital, right? I think they shot that at. Um, yeah, I th didn't they shoot that at one in like, I think they shot it at one in like Pennsylvania, didn't they? I'm not sure where it was, but. So, you know, our visit to Old Nazareth, um, it was interesting. Oh. So uh, someone are someone is, so people are filming. Okay, that, that's good okay. to know that people are, are going out there and getting and doing it. I hope everyone's safe. It must be a new. This system. is a this is a guy named Josh that does a uh, a film uh, podcast every week. So um, he he is a huge horror fan. Yeah. So glad he's watching. We can say his name. Cinematic blind spots, right? Yeah, cinematic blind spots. Yeah. So yeah, the old Nazareth was. It was really cool just to um, just to kind of see because everything's still there. Like like I said, like the surgery wards are still yeah. there, the nuns' court, everything is. I mean, it when you walk around it, it looks perfect. Now I don't know because I've never shot a movie, but it looks perfect to shoot a movie in there. Yeah, it's I, it's cool. Like the to find a set is is, is cool, um, and then the next part, you know, you gotta you gotta come up with the story though, but. Um, when you do, they just allow anyone to walk in there, or did you have to sneak in there? No, we we actually we know the people that run the building, so oh, we got yeah, to get in there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they did our podcast, and you know it was a Tory thing, and, and there were some elements. Don't like like kind of what you said. I'm kidding. They're going to skeptical. No, I believe in demons and ghosts, <laughs> and, and and all that. I really do. Okay, but I was. <laughs> I was very skeptical. I just, he said yeah. when we got there, I'm going to bring some evil out of this place. I said, well, get the fuck away from me because I don't want it following us back. <laughs> and then I think I looked over one time, the one thing I was like, this is such horse shit. Let's get out of here. Let's go. <laughs> no offense to anyone. Yeah. It was, it's a great tour. It's a, and there, it's a haunted house. Actually, it turned that into a haunted house. Yeah. Um, no, it, no, it's a great cool. tour. I think that if you're not really, if you're skeptical going in, I, I think that you're going to stay skeptical in a place like that. Unless you, unless something really happens to you and nothing really happened to us, but there's tons of people. I mean, we saw them, Jeff, that, that swear by this place that say right. that, I mean, that, that there's all kinds of stuff going on in there. So uh, it was yeah. an awesome tour and they're, they're actually doing another one tomorrow there and they do ghost tours all through the town. But I'm telling you, that is like the building to shoot a movie in. Yeah. It, you know, in the, in the backstory, and that's very, very interesting too, Stephen. Um, mineral wells is where it's at and, and the water we're supposed to heal people and, um, and all that. And this hospital was, uh, for lack of a better term, some of it, people were on their last leg or left their last mm -hmm. chance to live and, uh, young kids, things like that. So it, it doesn't have the, the best reputation for people leaving the hospital and at all, much less good shape. So yeah, it has all the, uh, place where a lot of people have died. So that yes. it's like, supposed yes. to, yeah. I mean, you, you, any place where there's a lot of people have died, like, you know, you say like, Gettysburg, for instance, or something like that, up, up uh, Pennsylvania, where I am. But you know, it's always rumored to be haunted, though. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't like. I, I, as I, was, I think I was saying this. I, I want to believe ghosts exist. I, I believe in aliens a lot more easily, easier, I guess, than, um, than I do um, 
than I do ghosts because I just it's just uh, that makes more sense. Like aliens makes more sense um, just because you know the universe is so vast and big. But like ghosts, I'm just, I'm just like always like I hope they're like I want. I think that's such a cool thing. Like whenever there's rumor of something be haunted, I'm like ah, oh, I want to. I hope it's true. I don't think it is. It's normally not. <laughs> You know, like, you know, I don't want that like, evil coming at me. I believe in demon, demonic possession and demons and stuff. I, but I, I, I kind of, I'm not I sure. I kind of well, I want to hear this. Cool. So, I think, I think so right I have that. a buddy that says there's no ghosts, but there are demons. What so, do you think about that, Stephen? Yeah, no ghosts, but demons. Right, and I, I can get on board with that because I do think, as I was saying, like I think The Exorcist is a documentary, so. Um, I kind of believe in that. And I think there is that, I mean, you know, I think, I think there's, I think there's something there to that. There's, there's not the classic ghosts there. You know, you're not going to, things aren't moving in your house around and stuff like that, but there are such things as demons and, uh, yeah, I can get behind that theory, but I want to be proven wrong. That's the thing. I, I want to be, yeah, I, right? I want to catch Oh yeah, absolutely. I want someone to catch a ghost on camera. I want it to be real. Cause that's just going to be so cool. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Well, you saw, you saw paranormal activity, so it's got to be real. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's just such a fun thing to just, you know, uh, make uh, pretend it's real and 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 create the fiction of, of it and, and just be scared and, and love the uh, the idea of it. And so, and you know, that's what that's why October exists, because we spend the month. Hey, Stephen, this guy, DJ, DJ, so. His house in his subdivision is like he is the haunted house guy. He lives for Halloween. Yeah. So this year, my wife and and, and me are going over to his place. If 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 Halloween goes on, if it's somehow canceled, this guy's going to have a a, yeah. <laughs> a nervous breakdown. But right. no, he he has movies shown in his uh, horror movies always going in his uh, driveway on his garage screen and trick or treat and it's it's just it's supposed to be the most haunted house in his town I or at least it. the yeah. coolest on his house yeah. so it's the go-to house in the neighborhood i love that i love when people go all out for for that and and uh it is the, the best month of the year um by far it's just, it's so much fun and yeah you're right who knows what's going to happen this october though but it's uh we can still oh, no matter what listen, we can all watch horror movies all throughout october if even if, if halloween is canceled it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad, yeah. Yeah. You, you have to write a letter to the governor and all sorts of stuff. We can, yeah. still, we can still watch Halloween itself on, um, on Halloween, though. So the movie Halloween. Uh, what, what do you think about that film? Oh, I love all the Halloweens. I, they, they have a lot of um, this subtle stuff that I love, too. There's a lot mm-hmm. of moments where Michael Myers is just in the background standing there. And, like, and it's not really it's not a huge scare it's not a jump scare and you know then they build in a lot of those elements that i love the subtlety too and um those, those films are classic i love those films very little gore too yeah. in in the originals and i mean you know when people you know someone said earlier you're a future academy award winner which i can get behind but <laughs> think about it i mean halloween started as an independent film yeah I mean, at, at its most basic guerrilla marketing, it was. I mean, they used their own clothes for their costumes. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, I, mean yeah, I think a lot of those those 80s slashers were really, you know, they were low budge. 
uh, at least for the first uh, one or two of them. You know, I, I think uh, you know Jason, the first Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, it, it was think. nothing. They paid nothing to make that one. Yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's some there's something there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 fun to create that um, some you know just some horror genre like a uh, world like like they did in that uh like they did in that and i i love um i love writing the mysteries in hell house and you know i just hope i, I get to continue i don't need to win an oscar i just don't just uh, have enough just more to, time i just need yeah um and two more days. An oscar he gets three more days to shoot so uh, so if you ever won an Oscar, could you just hand it back on stage and go, just give me four more days on my next film. Like, you can have this statue. I just need four days. Exactly. Yeah, give me four more days. You'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I'll take two, uh, but uh, four would be great. <laughs> so we have yeah. another person. Uh, Josh is asking if we've talked about the houses that October built. Mm -hmm. So another good found footage. Yeah. So funny story about that. Um, uh, and I, I don't know if it's funny, but it's a story. Um, the when I finished was in the middle of finishing my edit for Hell House, um, I had saw a trailer for Houses October Built, and I was like, "Oh shit, someone, someone's doing exactly my film." Like, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like, I'm like, "This is it. My film's ruined. It sucks now. Someone else has the idea, and, and they got it out first. And I was kind of like devastated. And um, but I, you know, I, I, I finished the edit and I put it out to festivals and, you know, it went where it went. But what I didn't know is that like, it's, 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 while it's about a haunted house, it, they, they're completely different stories. And, um, they didn't, our, our films didn't really conflict with each other. Um, so I was, I was happy about that. I was, but I was really worried about, um, that when I first saw the trailer for it, um, cause that trailer came out, like when I was like really like neck deep in the edit of Hell House One, but I've, I've yet to see, um, any of them. Um, for that reason is that I don't want to, um, have any, have any of the, 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 uh, kind of like inception or anything about like, no, I don't want any of their ideas in my head or be influenced by anything they were doing. So I knew we were kind of like doing the same kind of, um, uh, thing. So I just, I, 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 I never seen them. I know, uh, people love them and I think they're great movies and I, I totally love everything from what I hear and what they did, but I, I've never seen the films myself. And well, a couple the things. One, they, yeah. they, they're nothing like Hell House. Nothing. Um, also, and I haven't seen it either. You know, Dustin, you told me to watch that one. Yeah. That's to watch. And I think I started watching that one and I I got 10 minutes into it. And I was just like, I, I need to go to bed or something. So, I, you know. Also, Stephen, there's only two of those. There's three Hell Houses. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't, but I don't know what the, so you I, win. I the That's what I'm saying. Listen, Steven, I'm telling you, you, you win. <laughs> you win. There's no, three no, no, of yours, no, two not, of theirs. It's not about, well, um, it's not about that. I, it's, um, it, we're, we're different and we're, 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 we're making different films kind of about the same subject matter. One day I will sit down and watch those films. I, from what I've heard from people myself, I've heard those are great films. Um, and I, I really love to to watch them myself. And but the only I just haven't because um, while I'm still in the Hell House world, I'm kind of like don't want to watch something that's kind of about a haunted house too. Because I just don't want to be influenced at all. Like have that. I understand that. I, I really do. I I don't. I really do understand that. But uh, yeah. but uh, from what but I, I respect everything they're doing and, and 
the trailers look kick-ass to me. I can't, I've never seen it, so I can't speak, but they, they, it looked like they were doing something really cool um, in those films uh, to the, me. The only thing that I would say about those films is they are about Haunted House. That's the over uh, kind of arcing idea on it, but Hell House is... I don't know how to describe it. Hell House is about one place and one story and, you know, it all goes together. Theirs is about multiple places uh, yeah. with an overarching story yeah, that has really like nothing to do with a haunted house. They were like trying to look for like the ultimate like haunt, right? Like the, the ultimate, haunt. the ultimate scare. Yeah. And so all of their stuff has nothing to do with, with uh, demons or anything like that. It has sure. to do with, just kind of messed up people in the world. So, I mean, it has a, it has a, and, and I hope one day that you do see them. Um, yeah, no, I definitely like I said, to. your three films are my favorite. Uh, I, I like those films, um, I, but I think they're completely, di- you know what I'm saying? Like completely yeah. different. They go in completely different directions. Yeah, no, but you know, the thing, the thing is so hard. I think the hardest thing about writing is is to be original and not be derivative of something that you know in your past. So, um, and and so that's the reason why I said like even though if they they are not really the same premise, like I never want to watch them because I didn't want to see a scare in a Halloween haunted house um, because I didn't want that. Even if I was never consciously thinking about that, I I've always felt like I could be subconsciously writing a scare that was derivative of something else that I've seen. But I, didn't, but I didn't know, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't even consciously thinking of it. So I was trying to avoid that at all costs. Um, you know, uh, subconsciously um, writing something derivative. And that's the toughest thing for horror writers is to write new scares that aren't uh, derivative of something else um, that you've seen. And you're always trying, like I, I read so many horror novels and see so many horror movies that, you know, and then to, you know, all that's in the back of your head as you're writing a scare and you're trying to keep things original. Um, like I, I didn't want that added thing in the back of my head of, of another horror movie that's based in a haunted house. So that's why I just kind of stayed away because I just want to make sure that um, what I was doing was uh, at least original to me. Um, you know, even though I don't think anything is completely, uh, I think everything always derives from something. Um, so I, I can't say there's anything that's like not not completely original on its own and not derived from anywhere else though. Because as I said, like I've gotten influences from, from many other people, Stephen King novels. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, Lake Mungo was a, was an influence too. So I mean, it's nothing that's completely original uh, for for anything though. But I don't want any of the scares to be influenced at all either. But at this point, it's almost impossible. I mean. <clears throat> to truly be original because if something's great and it works, you want to do some sort of version of that in your own way. Right. So um, you can give credit to all the ones that came before you, but uh, what you do, I think with it makes it original. And I think that's where you're trying to say and go with it. So yeah, um, I thought you did some great scares in this. Honestly, um, I liked Blair Witch and um, I thought this was, uh, I thought these three films were way way better than I guess my preconceived notion. And if Dustin tells me to go watch something, I know it's legit because he knows oh. movies and horror movies are his thing. Like he, he is a movie guy. So when he told me to go watch these, I was like, okay, I, I've got to go watch them. So, yeah, I love Blair Witch. Like that's such a good movie. And I love the ending. I, 
I love everything. Great ending. You, you never see the ghost, and that's the best thing about it. They scared you with the unknown. It was so well. Yes, the unknown. Uh, and yeah. that's how Blair Witch scares you, and that's why it's so. Um, as you're saying, it was game changer in its time. It's and it's it's like it did so little to scare you, and it yet it terrified you so much. And and so uh, I, I just uh, I I bow down to 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 Blair Witch. I think what they did there was amazing. I told my daughter it was real. Was that a bad parenting thing? What's that? I told my daughter it was real. Oh, <laughs> it was real. No, that's awesome. Hey, honey, do you want to go camping? A little while, she'll think it's real, and that will so, that will be such a better experience for her. And, you know. So full disclosure, uh, I told you that my daughter loves horror movies. My yeah. oldest daughter loves horror movies. She thinks our house is haunted. I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but ever since we've moved to this place, she uh, has said it's haunted. Because you mess with her so much, man. I I understand, and I'm getting ready to say that. So one night I thought it would be funny in the dark with just barely a little backlight on me to stand at the bottom of the stairs. Her room is at the top of the stairs with a a kitchen knife. I thought it would be funny. I, I don't know. Is that bad parenting? I thought it was hilarious. How old was she at the time? I don't know. Old, like, you know, 11, 12, I don't know, 13. <laughs> yes. It's awful parenting. Oh, well, okay. It's, that's it, great. I mean, I, I, I tell you, I think you're doing a service by telling her the uh, player, which was uh, when she first saw it, that it was real. Because that's that's a feeling that you'll never get back. When she finally figures it out, it does not. Then you know I think it's ruined for her. But that that time when you think it's real, then that's it's so much more impactful of a. It's an intense fear. Yes, and in a weird way, she might always that makes her viewing of it so much more enjoyable. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's great, and I think it's it's almost like believing in Santa. It's like she believes she believes in Santa now, and like she'll lose that once she finds out Blair Witch. Isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you didn't say whether it was bad parenting to stand at the bottom of the stairs with a kitchen knife. Um, well, <laughs> it's okay. I, hey, Steven, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to not, uh, have an opinion. You're going to defer host. I don't want to say anything. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll you know, comment on that. Um, but here's the thing. We, in my family, I have three daughters, a wife. That is our thing. We love to scare each other. Well, that's great then. Yeah, I mean, that's then that's fine. And as long as she knows, like, okay, first, did you tell her it was you eventually? Yeah, eventually. Okay, then it's not bad parenting. It's legit. Yeah. It's okay. Did no, you I, get scared I, and then you guys had a good laugh? About it? Oh, no man, you know, that was, oh you know? we had a great laugh. Yeah, and that's great. And that's a memory. So that's all that matters. So what are your thoughts on extreme haunts? That's a question that came up. Um, I guess, what are they? Well, they're so, okay. So usually on a haunted house, you know, they can't touch you. They can't do it's anything. more physical is, is what it is. An extreme haunt. Well, they even go so far as to where they try and drown you. They, oh, yeah. uh, all kinds of, there's one in California where I don't even think it's a haunted house. I think that guy's just a weirdo that likes to hurt people, yeah. but people like, book out like a year or two in advance to go to this haunted house. And it's, I think it's called like the fear experience or something. And yeah, it's like, um, 
So when I was writing the first Hell House and I was, um, uh, one of, uh, one of the people that, um, one of my investors, uh, was who's most of them are just, um, you know, friends or family, um, were telling me, uh, about a haunted house they had been to in Manhattan and it's called, um, I'm blanking on the name anyways, but I think it was one of those extreme haunts where you had to, you know, you had to mm-hmm. sign the waiver and I think the waiver was more for show, but, um, and you go through all this like gross, disgusting things. But at one at one of the at one of the parts they're talking about, there's a girl chained up, um, topless, and and she was like, "You have to find the key and get me out of here." And then night as you're trying to look for the key, all this other stuff's going on. And I thought, oh, that was really cool. And then it came from um, someone who uh, ended up being an executive producer on the film. So I added that element into Hell House, which is Melissa in the basement. She's tied up. Um, in the basement and you know instead of like you know you have to find the key she's actually like saying blackout thank you yes um and uh that's it that's blackout and she says uh you know get me out of here someone like uh melissa is down there so i kind of added that theme into the film itself with the chain of girl in the basement um, although, but that was the whole thing about Hell House is that like, how do you know if something is part of the show or not? And that was one of the earliest themes that I wanted to play with in the film is when something goes wrong in a haunted house, how do you know something right. is wrong or if they're playing, if it's part of the gag? So that's why adding that element into the film was so much fun because like when she's screaming, get me out of here, get me out of here the the audience members are probably they don't how would they know that she's not playing you know like a, so that that was uh that was one of the things we added uh that's one of the, the themes i want to play with early on was 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 that is this part of the show or not and that was part of the tour goer video and that's something that uh was fun to do and i added in that from uh, blackout yeah from, that was blackout new york that's right so let me ask you something speaking of i thought you were tasteful because you you didn't uh, show Melissa all nude. She still had top on. Um, right, yeah, no, I didn't want that. I don't. I don't. Uh, I didn't want any nudity or excess gore in the film. I thought that was tasteful. Um, do you ever see your? I mean, do you think some of those are going for the wrong viewers? Like, if they're trying to show a lot of nudity, because a lot of these they show a lot of nudity or they show a lot of gore, and it seems like they're after kind of one. Well they're trying to get all sorts of viewers in any sort of way they can, yeah. I guess. So it, it's kind of cheating, if you will, to me a little bit, but I, I think it, it is. Cheating. I mean, unless it plays a, any kind of plot device, right. Um, then adding it in just to add it in. I mean, and I think it's obvious where, when it's just added in to be added in, oh, yeah. it is, is, is a form of cheating and gore just for the sake of gore is, is, um, and that's what, and that's like the kind of thing I don't like about slashers is, Although I you know I love slashers, there's so, a lot of them are so much fun. Though there's a lot of times where it just it's like, how can we shock you with how much gore we're showing you? And I kind of feel like that's cheating in terms of like trying to scare you. It's not clever. It's um, it's engineered in a way. I, I would guess uh, so. Um, and, and so I do feel like that happens sometimes on on especially in um, bigger films. Yeah. I think Wes Craven was famously quoted as saying, uh, give him a scare, give him a heart on and send him home was his, <laughs> was his, you know, but, and, and if you look at his films, that's what it is. It's a good, it's a good formula. It works. Um, 
but hey, yeah, no, each, each their own. I mean, every, everyone makes their own films and uh, every every writer and every director has their own, you know, vision, does what they want to do. If they if that's uh, their route, then that's great. And obviously Wes Craven very, was very um, uh, great at what he did. So I, I, I would never question anything <laughs> he did. I just say, like, for me, um, uh, you know, the, the, the TNA and the gore thing didn't, doesn't fit into what I want to do, but it doesn't mean that that doesn't make it right for someone else to do if it fits into their story, um, into their creative process. Um, just, you know, for me, I just didn't want to do it because I, I, I just want to tell very specific story with that has very subtle scares in it. And I don't want to add any other elements that aren't unnecessary there. So let me ask you, I've been looking at it, the whole interview behind you. Is that your, your thought board, your storyboard? Oh, uh, the whiteboard behind me? Well, no, off to your right. I guess it'd be your right on the floor. Oh, Oh yeah, um, on the um, I schedule films by writing every scene down um, on a uh, index card, and 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 they're colored uh, depending on the type of scene they are, the level of scare they are, and that's how I schedule it out. Hmm. And real and 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 I, I kind of say like a, this 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 shoot is going to be let's say fifteen days. And I have all the scenes in these index cards and I try to map out how can I fit this shoot into 15 days. <laughs> and uh, that's it's my process. Um, so I usually just lay them out on the floor. So that is actually for um, 825 Forest Road, the latest uh, schedule I laid out. Um, and filming it in eight, eight, that's an 18 day schedule, which would be bigger than all the hell houses. Um, just two more days, bro. Yeah, right. And that's the thing. I'm like, uh, and that's like tight for this movie. 18 days is really tight. I really would love okay. to want to eat the 21 days. But I know Stephen, who do we need to talk to to get you four more days? Seriously, <laughs> we'll start a, We will start a Facebook, Twitter, yeah. and Instagram campaign to get you four more days. I know. No, I know. Well, how, I, how, I would, can I would love, how can we? I just, and that's the thing. Like, I've already, I've already had to cut like two big scares from this film because I knew just like I just don't have the time to get it all in and and so uh, it's and that's the thing that's all all low budget indie filmmakers want is time that's all we ask for we don't want we're not asking to be rich we just want time <laughs> and we know we're so, not going to be rich anyways but we just we just want time well you don't know that you don't know that well i mean it doesn't matter i like we, we just you know filmmaking is filmmaking it's fun that we're able to do it so um, but if we could just get a few more days to do it. <laughs> and you can always have enough to cut out and not, not, Ooh, I wish I had a little bit more. Yeah. 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 So I, I think my, now my, uh, whenever I post about your movies and stuff, it's going to be hashtag two more days. <laughs> right. There you go. Maybe we'll get a oh, movie. I'm just thinking like, oh, if I had two can we get that trending two hashtag two more days? Hashtag two more days. What I would have done with two more days on Hellas one, two, or three. Uh, you see, people? World would have been mine. So we have someone asking how they can invest in your movies. Um, I, uh, I'm actually, uh, that's complicated. That's like a legal business question that I don't even really know the answer to. Um, hey, Jeff, just tell them about our Venmo. You like to bring that up on every show. <laughs> 
that was at the very beginning when I was young, dumb, and uh, we, we have a dad's a drink Patreon. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's a good question, but uh, I, um, uh, I don't, um, I don't know. I, I, that's a that's a good, that's a that's like a. I guess what would, would be a private conversation, uh, you know. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like nothing we doing costs a lot of money, um, but it's it's uh, you know like we're not, we're not we're not making like none of our films like A two five is not a million dollar film. It does not need to be. Um, it, it 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 could be made for a very very small budget and and be a really good effective scary movie. Um, and it's just uh, but for that very very small budget that I, I'm, I'm looking to put together, it does tighten that window that we have to shoot it. So uh, I would love the freedom to have a, a more extended shoot though, but um, uh, yeah, I, I can go on just talking and frustrations about time. <laughs> just time, time, time. So, uh, it sucks. So we have a lot of people just giving you ideas. They, they say go to Indiegogo. They, they, I guess they really want to see these movies get out. I know I, I know I I've uh, heard about all these stuff, all these uh, Indiegogo and uh, this few other GoFundMe and uh, as you guys said and uh, um, other places. I guess I haven't explored that yet. I, I kind of feel um, like I I don't know. And, and if, if I'm like X amount of dollars short of what I need to get the film made, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll find something. I just never tried that. I don't know. I guess I'm not good at. Uh, putting together a page like that and putting, uh, well, you know, the beauty of it is, um, you don't do it. Somebody does it and gives you the money that way. It doesn't come across as, Ooh, I'm just looking for handouts or money, but, yeah. um, I can see where you're coming from that where, where you have a traditional way going about it and your people do too. And it's, it's hard to entertain anything, especially on the spot. Yeah. Uh, and you, <laughs> and you not indict yourself down the road uh, right. for some reason. So no, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's tough. Um, uh, I don't know. It's something that's always on my mind. I'm always scheduling and thinking about and. and so and, DJ, and we just start raising some money for him, and <laughs> if we're gonna go, hey bro, we got five days here. Are you gonna take this or not? But that's the thing. I mean, I I, I lay these things out. He just the, needs two days, you sons of bitches. Just I, give him two days. I lay these things across my floor, and they just go on and on and on like that. And, oh um, man! So let me. And and the so, thing is, and that's all about like the the strategy, the filmmaking on the indie in the indie side. Such a strategic thing that you have to. It's a puzzle you have to put together. Like I I have this amount of days, this amount of money, this amount of script to shoot, Love this it. amount of like like how is it going to get done? And it takes it's so much just of of this stuff that's on my floor and around my walls around me, just trying to figure out how it's going to get done in the. Um, in the amount of time that you know, the only amount of time that I can afford to get it done in, and uh, in dollar amount. So, um, that's I mean, it's fun too. I, I like uh, it's it, that's a that's a puzzle, and I like puzzles. So, <laughs> it uh, it makes you a better director, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, but uh, hopefully, so. So let's talk just a couple more things and let you get out of here because I know you got to you know we we started this early. Let's talk about the two things that you took from the set. Now, Jeff, I want you to check this out because okay. I got to figure out a way that we can do this. But let's talk about the two things. The first one I think is awesome. He took a win wine bottle. Nice. Yeah. And, and in, then in the movie, he said, oh, I don't want that uh, overpriced stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not selling anyway. Take as much as you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that we don't have a chateau yeah, anything. <laughs> yeah, I got that right here. So look at this. It's a win wine bottle. Nice. So the second thing you took, I think it is actually lighting your light for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is the light on my face on this side. It's uh, on this side right here. It's uh, one of the cube lights from the bar and the dining room at Hell House. 3. Okay. Um, nice. That's on the side. I, I like the lights. I wish I took two of them because then I would have had them inside of my desk. And now it's kind of awkward. It's one cube light. Um, but no, they're, they're, they were cool lights, so I kept one of them. Uh, and they, they they created a really cool effect um, in the in the in the film. So uh, was that mostly from the the last one, right? The last yes. one, three, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. Um, thought that was pretty good. I I liked uh, how y'all did some of the old like uh, fluorescent looking colors and some different lights on that. Yeah, we, cool. we built we built sets like uh, Sleep No More and. Um, and uh, I was telling you about Sleep No More, and uh, we wanted to build like turn like build um, the Abaddon and turn it into uh, a very theatrical set, um, artistical maybe stylistic kind of sets for Faust itself. So kind of like rearranging the Abaddon a little bit, making it like, changing it up a little bit, and like one of the cooler rooms that I was really excited about, and um, the uh, our cinematographer. And set designer did a fantastic job. Was the um, was the uh, the the angels the room with the uh, heaven uh, set um, and the lights in there and what we did with the the mannequins and everything like that. That, that looked great. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. And um, and what we did uh, what we did on three. What we hadn't done any other done in any other film is that uh, our team uh, Carlos, our uh, cinematographer, went out there with his team. Uh, a few days before we even start shooting and he was out there with angie the set director and they were just creating all the lighting of looks and creating those sets um before we got there with the actors and the rest of the crew to start shooting ls3 so they got a jump start on 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 everything uh which was great because we needed that it was it was a the film that had more of a uh had more lighting uh into it, it more intensive with the style and everything and the lighting schemes than uh, the, the previous two so it was good that they did a, they did a great job with it so what are you drinking tonight steven uh glenn Levitt. oh nice wow 1824 it's a gift from the wife and i've been enjoying it slowly I've got uh, uh, throughout throughout COVID slowly. Sheepdog peanut butter whiskey. Remember, I was telling you about the peanut butter whiskey. It's yeah. big here. All right. So, but I I can't do much. I, that's all I can do tonight because I have to get up and play golf tournament tomorrow and sweat all this out. So, Stephen, when you and I talked, you said how much you like Tabasco. So today I stopped by the liquor store and I will be putting this in the mail for you. I got you from the dads that drink uh, both of us a Dickel Tabasco whiskey. Oh my goodness! I cannot wait. That is, is that, is that good? So that's you, had that? you had it over at my house. Oh, that's oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> I've had a lot of different stuff at your house, bro. Uh, yes, you have. Uh, so we, we want to send that to you and thanks from, from us to you for, you know, coming on here at, at a short notice and talking about everything you did. And it was, uh, I can't, 
I can't say enough, and I don't want to just say this because you're on the show. I can't say enough about these movies. I absolutely love them. Thank you. And yeah, no, and I was really happy you guys reached out, and uh, it was it's always fun just to, to chat um, about the films and just about stuff in general. So uh, no, thank you for inviting me on. It's great. Yeah. So I think that's gonna, uh, Jeff. Uh, I think that's gonna wrap it up for tonight. Let's start with you, Stephen. You promote whatever you want to promote. Oh, uh, I, I've got really nothing to promote. Just uh, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, wear your mask, and let's get out of this. And let's go 2021. Let's have a great year. Let's come back. That's all. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, anything you want to promote? I want to promote Stephen and Hell House 1, 2, and 3. And the one coming up, would you say, is eight two four five four Force Road? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, eight two five Force Road, yeah. Um, and whatever else, if anybody can get them two more days, please. <laughs> hashtag two more days. Hashtag two more days. Uh, yeah, I think I've started something. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's definitely it's hashtag two more days did, now did I on come everything. Off sounding, did I come off sounding so desperate for more days? That, that's the case. I'm sorry. No, no, you weren't. It was so subtle. We come across desperate, not you. <laughs> you. You came across very. It made sense. Now we're just hashtag no, two more days. It's, it's, still, uh, you keep going. We want more of this. That's what it is. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing on in even the bigger sets or anything. I, I don't know if that's something that uh, all filmmakers want and need always is more time. But I know that that's just on our sets on our low budget indies that we always need more time and we never have it, and, uh, and, that, and that sucks though. But uh, but but um, for having a short time, I think that kicks everyone into high gear and everyone just kicks ass. And um, I've just uh, been blessed to the pe everyone I've met working on these Hell House films, uh, all the crew people. Um, you know, from makeup to cinematography to grips to uh, everything is. I just I just met such an amazing group of people that worked their ass off to make a good film in short time. Um, you know, they probably were wishing we had more time, and we didn't. And they made it. They made it happen, anyways. And so, and and they're that's why they're great at what they do. So I'm just been blessed to have been working with great people all these years. Well, that's going to be it for this week, guys. Uh, please go check out Stephen Cognetti's stuff. Hell House 1, Hell House 2, Hell House 3. You can find them on Shutter. You can find them on Amazon Prime. You can find them on iTunes. Please go check out these movies. If you are into found footage films or horror films in general, these are the movies to see. They are absolutely fantastic. And we want you to support this guy in every way that you can. Hashtag two more days. So, that's going to be it for us. That's Jeff. That's Steven. I'm DJ. We are the dads that drink, and we'll catch you on the next one. We'll see you later, guys. Cheers. Goodbye. <laughs>